0: Cards chapter 56 is over, but we're just getting started here on your House of Cards post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who always pick the loser party. I am Rob Sistrino Here's
1: Zach Brooks. Zach, how are you? Rob, I'm pretty excited. We're going to be podcasting in 2016, 2020, 2024. 2024
0: 2028. Do I hear 2032.
1: That was actually pretty helpful to know when elections are going to be. I mean, I I obviously know there's going to be 2020. Yeah, it it was like, okay, so then 2024 is the next one. I knew that. But then as we get a little further, like 2036, okay. You know, I wonder wonder who I'll be voting for in 2036.
0: Mark it down. Mark it down because uh, the Underwoods are planning everything. And I, much like Leanne, I was like, wait, is this deja vu? I feel like I've heard Frank Underwood say this before. I'm like, was this in another episode? And then I think this was the monologue that was featured in the trailer for season five of House of Cards.
1: Yeah, I did feel like, and I know I'd I'd said that I didn't watch the trailer. I think there was a teaser that came out before the trailer because it sounded familiar to me as well. Um, but I don't remember seeing any clips from the season. So I think mm-hmm. that they had just parts of this speech over like um – um like the White House, a vision of the White House, I think with the flag upside down, maybe.
0: Okay, so we have a lot to talk about here in this podcast because we are going to be going through the next three episodes of House of Cards, yet we've only watched Chapter 56. We're going to do this. So if, again, if this, if you're nervous about getting spoiled on something, we've only seen Chapter 56. We will break. We will then come back after we watch Chapter 57 and the same thing for Chapter 58. So three episodes here in this podcast uh we'll try to time stamp those as well time dug stamp those things as well so you can uh, bounce around uh if you need be if there's a particularly uh juicy episode you want to skip ahead to we wouldn't know but that's what we'll do and of course you can subscribe to our house of cards recap podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash hoc iTunes. All right, so the Frank Underwood administration, I think, was uh, you know, the rumors of its demise may have been premature. Zach,
1: yeah, they. Uh, I feel like they had everything under control this whole episode. Um, and I actually went back and rewatched a couple of the scenes, uh, especially the stuff with the Ohio governor uh, trying to figure out exactly what was going on. But I think you know, if you watched this whole episode. Assuming everything that Frank and Doug and Claire are saying is the opposite of what they want, uh, it makes a lot more sense. I think I think they use that reverse psychology to really get their way throughout this episode.
0: To me, though, why were they messing around so much in the previous episode where they just sort of like waited? They had like basically they had like this uh, really great backup plan, but plan
1: A was not great. No, I mean, you know, maybe they were just overconfident coming into this. They're like, ah, oh, we can just sit and, you know, watch a movie and, you know, go to a couple of these rallies and, and not do much. And then, uh, they, you know, when when the pressure gets on, they, they need to throw that Hail Mary. They had lots of tricks in the, their back pocket.
0: Yeah, they're almost like the NFL team that like uh, really comes out like pretty lackadaisical in the uh, first half, but then uh, has a, uh, you know, really great like two minute offense for the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, for we got NBA finals going on right now. You know, they said that that was what the Cavs were doing um, throughout the whole regular season. They were they were resting their guys. They weren't trying. And then once the playoffs kicked in, that's when that's when they got into gear. Although. uh so far, they're not looking that good in the finals. So maybe <laughs> okay. not the best metaphor. Who
0: knows? Who knows? By the time people listen to this, okay, yeah,
1: but, it might be over.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Zach. So uh, we'll we'll see uh, that Frank Underwood. Uh, oh, look, we're just gonna half-ass it uh, in the first place. But if all hell breaks loose, uh, we've got one hell of a plan. If it looks like we're gonna lose.
1: Yeah, and I mean they must have had some of this stuff set up. I mean they have the guy's house in Tennessee. Uh, and, and, you know, and we can talk about if that was completely set up by Frank or if there actually was uh, maybe maybe some sort of terrorist plot beginning to develop there. Um, and, you know, it seems like they had a lot of a lot of these things in the works just in case kind of a, a failsafe switch.
0: Okay, so uh, let's get into all of that here from uh, Chapter 56. And so um, it looks as though that where I thought that maybe Frank Underwood was going to outright lose the election in the previous chapter, and then he was going to have to uh, somehow pull out the win after a decision was made. It looks like that we are going into some state of circa 2000 limbo following uh, the events of this episode.
1: Yeah, uh, and we're getting déjà vu from 2000. It seems like, and we even had, you know, Frank mentioned that he, you know, he said, "Oh, do you think I didn't learn anything from Al Gore?" So, uh, even referencing Al Gore and some some actual real politicians uh, and, and real presidential candidates.
0: Yeah, of course. That we, you know, have said that many times. That the Frank Underwood, the House of Cards timeline really veers off from. You have to pretend like uh, there was no Obama in 2008, and uh, you ended up with Walker being the Obama in this alternate reality. So I guess that's the official point where we veer off because now yeah. I guess we have confirmation of uh, George W. Bush in this reality
1: yeah, I think that they um, think they did have references to him in a previous season. As well okay
0: so that uh now we, now we know in the alternative history of the united states uh via house of cards but just to uh go back to that point where leanne was talking about deja vu i mean was that the what she's referencing that is that like they were just like tipping the cap to say yeah isn't this just like 2000 or do you think that that's going to be some sort of a plot point or they're trying to say something about leanne's ability to experience deja vu and doug has never had that
1: yeah, that was that was a very strange scene. Um, it it kind of came out of nowhere. And it's like, is is Leanne hinting it at, at, you know, feeling like she's been through this before? And why can't you know, why is Doug so taken aback by the fact that um, that she mentions deja vu? He's like, what? Why would I why would I ever have deja vu? What are you talking about? Right. Like, I don't think it's that rare.
0: If she's hinting at like, uh deja vu, huh? Like, she doesn't say, like, you know, it's just like 2000 all over again. And Doug is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I, that's why I feel like it's not necessarily that she's referencing the uh, 2000 election because Doug doesn't seem to know what, like, unless Doug is like not a student of history, which I don't really get that that's, uh, you know, a uh, short memory flaw- span, yeah. you know? Well, he might have been blackout drunk through most of 2000. That's a good bet.
1: As was I, Zach. Yeah, I mean, who wasn't? <laughs> right? You know it was, it was the Y two K had to had to get it going. Okay, so Frank
0: and Claire, at the end of the episode, of course, uh amazing speech by Spacey here uh, at the end of talking about how uh, you know the American people they don't know what's best for them. they're like little children with their sticky fingers, and we know what's best for them. uh we have to hold their hands, uh not holding hands and uh and wipe their mouths too yes, so. What are they doing? They're about to do something. Are they just talking, like, big picture
1: about how they're going to do this? Or is there, like, one specific tactic that they're about to do? Yeah, I feel like they have, you know, some sort of bombshell that they're going to drop to make people not vote anymore. I mean, like it seems like they just want to get rid of term limits. And they talked earlier in the episode looking at the picture of George Washington. And they said, well, he can't help us. He He invented term limits. So... Um, you know, I, I guess they're gonna, you know, they're gonna do something where they say it's not safe to vote anymore and (laughs) democracy is not safe and we just need to all be under wood for the rest of our lives. And yeah, yeah, I, I I don't really understand how they can make that jump, especially because they haven't even won the election yet. I mean, like he still can, he still has conceded the election at least privately to Conway. So Mm -hmm he still has to win 2016 before he can start thinking about 2036.
0: Right. Um I guess what they're going for though is this dynasty and and legacy like we were talking about in the last podcast, you know, building the Underwood legacy is uh really what it's all about for mm-hmm. uh Frank and Claire. So, um uh, one thing that we I, I did we ever get an answer on this of so if he finished out Walker's first term, Does he get a chance? Can he run in 2020?
1: Well, so, you know, the great Johnny DeSevera actually tweeted us about this a few days ago uh, and said there is precedent for it that um, he would be able to run for a second. So he could run in 2016 and then run again in 2020 because this first term that he's been serving was not his actual uh, first term okay. since he was vice president. All right, so
0: he could potentially, that could be Frank again in 2020. Then, uh, so then we're looking at Claire Underwood in 2024 and then uh, 2028. And then 2032 is probably where it gets tricky.
1: And and that's why I think that when he was listing off all of those years, they went that far to show, like, they're not just talking about, you know, two more terms of Frank, two terms of Claire. But they showed, you know, a total of 12 terms. So there must be some sort of plan to get them to stay in office longer than they possibly could.
0: Right. They can maybe get, you know, change the Constitution by that time.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what they're going for. And um, and I wonder if they see visions of being president past 2036. You know, is this like a lifetime appointment or is it you know 2036? And Frank is finally going to say that he's done with he's done with this role in his life.
0: Yes. And again, there is uh, I guess some precedent of with FDR uh, serving uh, a third term. Um, and I believe that those were powers that were sort of granted like in an emergency uh, based on World War II. But uh, I am not 100 uh, percent that I am not enough of a student of history to be able to tell you off the top of my head uh, why that was.
1: Yeah, I mean that does ring a bell for me, but I couldn't tell you for sure if that was uh-huh. the reason. Yes. Yeah, thank you for ringing the bell for me. But you know, I wa- so what are we gonna have like a twenty-year war against Ico? That's <laughs> gonna allow them to stay in, to Ico, stay in office?
0: Look, I, I'm the right man for the job, but they are proving to be much more formidable than we ever could have imagined. This twenty-some uh, odd year of war against Ico. Uh, oh, I think they got my internet again. They got the. We're down. We're down. Okay. yeah I don't co what we can do against them yeah okay. <laughs> All right, so that's what uh Frank Underwood has in mind in terms of uh, this big plan uh, in terms of the election night uh, again, uh, lots of exciting stuff going on uh, the election night coverage in America really does seem to hinge on new CNN lead anchor Tom Hammerschmidt uh, what a rise <laughs> to power for Hammerschmidt just being sort of like a guy who was sort of like on the outs at the Washington Herald to now Replacing Anderson Cooper, Wolf Blitzer, and the
1: rest over any Jake Tapper out. Hammerschmidt in. Yeah, drop the hammer. We got Hammerschmidt uh, reporting live from the losing party. Right, I mean, this is the biggest thing I think this show is getting wrong. Where uh, there is
0: no like five minute stretch of CNN in any important moment that does not have a field of thirty people at the desk, as opposed to all right tonight we're just going solo. Uh, it, it's <laughs> you know it's nineteen sixty five. Here's Walter Cronkite style. Uh, we've got Hammerschmidt, and then
1: uh, on the rival news network, Ann Curry. Yeah, and that curmudgeony, uh Hammer Hammerschmidt too he doesn't even want to be there he just looks annoyed that he has to even show up to this event
0: yeah I mean it's just like uh it's just Hammerschmidt this is the only person uh reporting on this and uh it looks as though things are going to be tilting Conway the first part of this plan is that we un- ultimately have this uh Tennessee incident uh, at Knoxville. So how did they orchestrate this? This is like some, they had some sort of like a plant
1: detonate something. So, uh, there was no actual detonation. They found, um, the, the Muhammad, uh, Kolabi's, they found some bomb making materials at his house, but they didn't find him. And he was the guy in the last episode that Kathy mentioned him. And we just got one, one passing reference to him. Um, so there was, uh, there was somebody they were watching in Tennessee, So they found um, they found some plans and some bomb making materials at what allegedly was his house uh, and said that he was targeting voting centers. Then, you know, it doesn't seem like anything. There was obviously no detonation. And we heard from Agent Green that there was not even an actual bomb at this voting center. They went they thought that that there was a bomb there. But the the bomb sniffing dogs barked instead of sitting Um, And barking means that there was uh, there was no bomb making materials there.
0: Right. Somebody
1: antagonized the dog. Yeah, exactly. You know, got to leave those dogs alone. Got to let them do their jobs. But, um, you know, hysteria picks up and people, you know, you could see from the coverage that people were freaking out and people were scared that there was actually something there. And, you know, just like Frank and Claire said at the end of the last season, fear is their ultimate weapon. And they're they're driving up the hysteria, driving up the panic. Uh, and that alone is, is building and, and making the the country feel unsafe and feel like they they need to do something, and that's why we're seeing the the trickle down effect through all these other voting centers.
0: Now, Zach, going back to the first scene of House of Cards, we know Frank Underwood is no friend to the canine population. Oh, that's
1: yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> he does uh, not 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 Dogpocalypse, a fan of guys, It's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's he, coming. Uh, He thinks that the dogs are trying to take over, probably.
0: Yes. Well, he put that threat down uh, (laughs) both then and now. All right. So, well, this is well. Now he's out trying to hype up the threat, and uh, they ultimately end up uh, really pulling a number on who is.
1: This is the governor of Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot of governors. We see the Tennessee governor. We see the Ohio governor, and and I don't know if we got a last name, but his name is Mitch. Okay. Yeah, Yeah,
0: Mitch from Tennessee. I I do like it that basically any governor, it's almost like Star Trek that basically like any of these like captains like uh, from a bridge, whoever they're talking to, you sort of like have the person like right there. Like, uh, all right, put them on and you just can go live from your desk at any point.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a media media savvy world out there. People can just we're all set up to to Skype in. I mean, Conway showed that you can Skype whenever you want and for however long you want. Yeah, it's a
0: poly hop world. There we
1: go. Yeah, Polly Hop. We're just living in it.
0: Yeah. And uh, ultimately that uh, he ends up like uh, Underwood is telling him not to do it. Uh, Agent Green is on the move and they're saying like uh, like basically like implying that he should do it. And uh, he's eventually going to uh, hold suspend Tennessee, which I think then ultimately I would have put Conway over 270. And then that puts a lot of other states into play.
1: Yeah. And I really, really like this scene where we've got the phone call between Frank and Mitch uh, with Agent Green there. And Frank, you know, when they cut to him, he's just like sitting there editing some paperwork, rolling his eyes and just very casual talking about, oh, no, we can't close the centers. That would be terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Green is like, no, we have to close the centers. And it was just like a really like it's just fun to watch the theatrics of this and know what's actually going on. But Mitch just has no clue.
0: Now, up until this point, uh, things were going pretty well for the Conway's, uh, you know, starting with Will Conway. Uh, he ends up waking up after his marathon poly hop session. And, uh, you know, Shmoopy is uh, besides himself. boy, uh, Shmoopy Conway is out of control.
1: I mean, she is, she is ready to uh, pounce on the president, but yes. he's not president yet. Not but yet. Boy, they, uh, they might be popping that champagne a little bit too early. Uh, she was, uh, you know, all worked up and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Will Conway, this dude has a lot of energy. So he does a 24 hour poly hop session. Yeah. Then he had just gotten back from a run. Oh, he went running. That That's what they implied. He was in workout clothes oh and it seemed God. like he had just gone running or, or doing some sort of workout. And, um, you know, juices up, fuels up with a little bit of a little bit of OJ and then goes for a roll in the hay with Shmoopy Conway. Yeah. okay. And then goes about his day being elected president. (laughs) Yeah. This guy has more energy than Jack Bauer. Yes. Amazing. Well, he is the man for the job. Yeah. I mean, he does seem like, you know, he he would be a president who I think would care a little bit more about the American population and uh, might be able to get some things done for others as opposed to Frank.
0: Yeah. I don't know what his stand is on a lot of issues, uh, Conway. I mean, I feel like this never really uh, comes up. No talk of where uh, Will Conway uh, stands on any sort of like we don't know his economic policy. We don't know his views on uh, social issues. We really only see him on, you know, one issue which uh, comes up on the show is sort of like uh, national defense, uh, but uh, other than that, uh, there's been very little talk of what Conway's uh, political views are on any other matter.
1: Yeah, this show really yada yada's most of the policy, <laughs> yeah. unless it's like something directly affecting them, doing some sort of political scheming and, and backstabbing. You know, like the education bill. Um, you know, we see some of that stuff, but otherwise. You know, policy doesn't matter, and that's that. You know, that's probably intentional,
0: right? So I guess we short sort of just like, uh, like for the rest of his political views, I'd say we, you know, he's probably just like the uh, default Republican Party norms, and Frank Underwood is sort of like the uh, default Democratic Party norms, and uh, they really there's very little debate ever on a uh, policy issue, let alone um, poly hop issues.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I and I, I don't even know if we can take that at face value. I mean, I think like I'm not sure if the Democrats in House of Cards uh, equal the Democrats in like their yeah. their policy views. That's a fair in, point. In the real world, I mean, like I mean, most of it is just it seems very mixed up. It's very the, arbitrary of, of who's trying to do what, and um, so you know, this is its own world, its own mirror universe mm-hmm. of. Uh, of policy, Yeah. All right. Well, we see the
0: statewide curfew gets enacted in Tennessee. And um, we feel like that Conway uh, is uh, a little bit at his wits end that he's talking about how
1: uh, like for how long can Conway get away with this BS? Yeah, he I mean, he cannot believe that Frank is still just doing doing his tricks. I don't know who he thinks he's going up against. I mean, this is Frank Underwood. Do you really think he's going to quit? Um but it does feel like, and and certain characters will call it out. They'll be like, "Man, the timing on this is pretty coincidental." Mm-hmm. You know that that all of a sudden you're about to lose. It's like it's like you are you are down to your last shot, and all of a sudden there's this terrorist incident.
0: Well, I feel like that Conway is beginning to like at that point he realizes where people are like, "No, it'll be fine, it'll be fine," and then he ultimately
1: uh, just is like, uh
0: it's like it's not going to be fine." Like we, you know, who we're dealing with,
1: yeah. But, you know, but then he seems like he's calmed once uh, and seems very relieved once uh, he does get that concession call. Although I think this this Mark Usher guy who is uh, the Usher in the Conway campaign, he seems like he is very skeptical throughout this whole uh, episode of what's going on. Why does he have to make all his calls from the bathtub? Is that like his thing? I don't know. I noticed that too. It seems like that's like a terrible place to make phone calls because it'd be so echoey in there. <laughs> yeah, you it's would, like whenever you're on the phone with somebody and you walk into the bathroom, they can always tell because it gets super echoey. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I don't know if he's just like uh, making all these calls like behind
0: the Conway's back or that's just like uh, his office in the uh, Conway compound.
1: <laughs> yeah. They didn't want to spring for the nicer suite. They're like, oh, we can just use the bathroom. It's like a two bedroom. Yeah. Why not? All right. So... Um, we really see things are
0: looking pretty dire overall um that everybody's just like hazing seth uh the the whole election day of like looks like you're going <laughs> to lose you're going to lose uh you're a stupid loser seth and you're never going to work in this town again and
1: you know seth puts on a brave face yeah i think you know seth seth is looking for what his his next opportunity potentially could be if they do lose and uh we get we get some interesting conversations between Um, Sean and Seth, where Sean is saying, you know, you're still after you guys lose, you're still going to have a couple months in the White House. You could leak information to me and we could have some kind of partnership going. Yeah. Are are you uh, into Sean Jeffries yet? Yeah, I think he's a really good new character. I think uh, he's a he's a smooth talker, which is what we like to see in the House of Cards world. Mm,
0: I'm still not in yet. I, I don't really necessarily know why we're supposed to be interested in his story. Like, uh, like uh, he's just like because he's hustling to, you know, uh, that he just got added to the beat. He's like our new Zoe Barnes of uh, like the show seems to have a soft spot for the upstart reporter.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I always root for the Hustlers, so um, I'm ex- I'm excited that we're finally going to get some Hustlers on TV, i got to say. Okay. And he's, I mean, compare him with Hammerschmidt, he's much more entertaining than Hammerschmidt. And, like, you know, like, it's a great dichotomy between the two of them. He's, like, a, a cool, hip, smooth-talking style guy. And then, you know, Hammerschmidt with his, like, off-white dress shirt and can't wait to get his uh, sport coat off.
0: Okay, So he's bringing in the millennials.
1: That's uh, what the uh, Sean Jeffries character is. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got Sean Jeffries. We've got an usher. I mean, I feel like we're we're getting all of the uh, I mean, I guess Sean John is the uh, that's the brand. But we're getting we're getting lots of hip, hip characters on this show. Hip new characters. Is Sean John that hip? It was at one time. I mean, is usher that hip anymore? <laughs> I think both at the
0: time that uh, Al Gore was trying to uh, contest the 2000 election. I think that all those things were popular.
1: Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, I, I, or we've also got Al Sean Jeffries too. Yeah. Al- Don't forget about him. Yeah, not as popular as a couple of years ago, right? Yeah.
0: We, you know, throwing it back just a little bit. Fantasy darling, uh, Al Sean Jeffries a couple of years ago. All right. So uh, McAllen gets pressured by Doug uh, pretty hard in this episode uh, as they're trying to get the Ohio governor on board with closing down some precincts. So first we end up seeing Doug uh, really
1: uh, lay into McAllen. Yeah, and McAllen is so, like, he just doesn't want to do anything. He's like a kid that's dragging his feet when you're trying to get him to go to school or something. He's like, uh, where's Leanne? You know, he's kinda kinda almost like Mike Ermintrout a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he just he just is very uh very grunty.
0: Yeah. And he's also very chicken little in terms of like uh we saw him with uh, Frank Underwood a couple episodes ago and he's like, We're screwed, it's over, <laughs> I don't care, I'm out of here. And like, nope, no, 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 you're not going anywhere, McAllen.
1: Yeah, relax, relax. You just got to talk him off the ledge every once in a while. I think we're going to get some Leanne talking him off the ledge in the next episode.
0: So we see Doug then with the governor of Ohio um, that uh, he is uh,
1: no Kasich now. No, and he is uh, seems like he's about to lose. I mean, that's that's what they're implying that, you know, like. The Ohio governor is about to lose and Frank is going to lose in Ohio. So they got to do something to save the state of Ohio. Once again, the very important state of Ohio in the election. Yes. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio.
0: So do you think that then uh, he will lose to John Kasich? Is that where this is coming from?
1: That he's like the Democratic (laughs) uh, governor of Ohio and then Kasich is going to come in? Oh, maybe. I mean, you know, maybe they like the actual Kasich is going to be on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? (laughs) That would be good. It seems like they mix they mix reality and uh, and fantasy on this show quite a bit. So
0: they do in terms of like news people. But, you know, we don't have like, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren showing up to like uh, like uh, have a meeting with uh, Frank Underwood.
1: Yeah. Maybe we'll see Al Gore, though. They do reference him.
0: They do reference him, but um, I guess there's no political figure that wants to be associated with uh, the underbelly. Like, uh, like they have to say, like, uh, real politics are nothing like this.
1: Yeah. Although I was uh, I was watching YouTube videos earlier, and one of the recommended videos for me was Frank Underwood welcoming President Obama to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Okay. So and it was like six years old or something like that. It's an old video. Mm-hmm. I guess probably not six years old, but it was from from when this show first started. Um, but we did have a little bit of, of intermixing.
0: Was it then. the real Obama or was it like the uh, Forrest Gump thing where they sort of like cut Spacey into uh, something that Obama was doing? And, and again, we've already established that uh, Barack Obama and Frank Underwood do not exist in the same universe.
1: It was, um, I think it was a video that Kevin Spacey recorded for, it, like I think it played at the White House okay. Correspondence Dinner. I didn't actually watch it. I just saw the video <laughs> was recommended. Yeah.
0: I guess Barack Obama could exist in this universe, but he lost uh, the primaries to Walker
1: <laughs> somehow. Yes,
0: the yeah. super charismatic Walker was able yeah. to uh, shut down Obama 2008.
1: I mean that that was uh, Walker Matthews. 08. yeah, he walked right into the walk uh, to the Walker House, yeah, White House. Okay, yeah. Um, so.
0: Once Pennsylvania goes to Conway, things are certainly uh, looking grim for the Underwood 2016 campaign where they were sort of trying to crunch the numbers. And it was where if Conway won Ohio and Pennsylvania, he would win. Underwood only needed one of them. But once Pennsylvania went to Conway, Then uh, things look bad, and uh, we saw at the Underwood headquarters the announcement that concession is inevitable. We fought the good fight, and even Frank Underwood calls up Conway to concede. Now, Frank Underwood tells us, uh, do you think I didn't learn anything from Al Gore? But what is he going for here? Why call up to concede to show that he wasn't part of uh, all of these shenanigans going on?
1: Yeah, I think to, uh, you know, to distance himself from, from everything that's going on and say, yep, you know, you won fair and square. I've accepted defeat, um, and that way when he's actually not accepting defeat, he's got a little bit of a uh, plausible deniability. So what did he learn from Al Gore? Uh, I guess that you can, uh, keep fighting these, uh, you can keep fighting these political battles after election day and, and see if you can see, if you can turn things around, if you can, um you know, get a little bit of skepticism in in uh, the voting process. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you know, may, maybe you have a better idea. That that was what I got from it. But Al Gore didn't win. So I mean, I don't
0: think that Al Gore conceding in 2000, I don't think that that's looked at as like a strategic move of Al Gore was able to buy himself some time. Uh, because of the Florida vote, uh, I again maybe you know this is another thing that I'm just not well versed in, and maybe there's uh, some uh, talk of you know something different that went on, but I don't remember that being a uh, a thing in 2000. Maybe what Frank Underwood is saying that uh, Al Gore has taught me one thing: it's that sometimes you have to deal with an inconvenient truth, and that's why. <laughs> Uh, and Al Gore invented the internet, and I've got my guy McAllen right now hacking the internet.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe maybe he was referencing the internet. That, I like that theory a lot. <laughs> um, you know, or maybe in this this split off timeline, Al Gore, you know, pulled a similar tactic and actually did oh. win. He ended up getting Florida, and this is like a uh, like a man in the high castle. Version of America mm-hmm. where Al Gore won and then Walker won and then. But Underwood didn't isn't we there.
0: say that there was a President Bush? So what happened? Did Bush then come back and beat Al Gore in 2004? Yeah, sure. Let's say that. I mean, What a complicated knows? narrative uh, this is in House of Cards, where Al Gore won in 2000, then Bush came back and beat him in 2004, and then Bush was bad, and then uh, then Walker is able to beat Bush after his first term, so uh, like his father.
1: I mean, is it really that inconceivable based on the fact that we have a South Carolina representative who, in just a couple years, became president? <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, anything is he's such a political
0: star, uh, Frank Underwood, that there's uh, he's just is going uh, to the very top very quickly. A meteoric rise for Frank yeah. Underwood in but like uh, four years. But <laughs> in terms of uh, this Al Gore stuff, is it just like the show like constantly is just like keeps saying to us like, isn't this just like what happened with Al Gore and George Bush?
1: Remember that? I guess. I just don't feel like it's that similar. I mean, this isn't like, I mean, this is like they're closing voting centers and there are going to be all these lawsuits. uh, It seems like for people where they feel like there is voter intimidation and voter suppression and they're going to call the results into question. But I mean, how questionable can the results be? What are they going to end up having to do like a a special election or, you know, I I don't know where exactly Frank's plan is going with this, Mm -hmm. but. The, the chips seem to be falling exactly where they want in terms of getting these governors in line.
0: Yeah, the plan, it seems to work even better than they expected, because by the end of the episode, there's all these other states that like uh, New Jersey can't confirm their results and Hawaii can't confirm their results. So w- why are all these other states uh, piling on?
1: Yeah, I mean, these are all the states where um, where they did place the armed guards at the voting centers. And so you know, because of the armed guards, are people going to say they felt intimidated that they couldn't go and vote? Um, and and this, this was the plan that we, saw starting to get enacted a few episodes ago where we've, we've got armed guards at, at these voting centers and and people aren't going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is that, is that, was that the plan the whole time? I mean, uh, it just seems like could that get traced back to Frank Underwood?
0: Uh, I have no idea. I guess uh, we will have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, Why does Hannah Conway have to give the speech the next day as everything is uh, still muddy again? I can't imagine the scenario where uh I, again, I think that Hillary Clinton Bill Clinton is a little bit different uh, because Bill Clinton is a former president, but like could you imagine where if this was like um like would Laura Bush have given this uh the next day of like, well, you know, my husband doesn't want to comment on this yet,
1: but here is uh my official statement well, I think from the show's perspective. They did it so they could show Claire giving that address earlier in the episode and very professional and uh, really delivers it well. She's really good with her words and is delivering it in front of, you know, on camera in front of the whole country. But then in the room is just Frank Underwood sitting there in front of her. Mm-hmm. And then when we've got Hannah Conway giving this address, it's the same thing. She's giving it in front of the American people, but she's stumbling over her words. She's not sure exactly what she wants to say. Should I say good evening? while it's morning. And then when they pull back, you see that Will Conway is actually sitting right in front of her just like Frank was. So I think they did – the show did that to show us a dichotomy between the two of them and and their preparedness level. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think why they – why the Conway campaign chose that, I think partially if you saw Will Conway when they showed him, he looked super pouty. And so you know I don't think they want to put him on camera when he looks that mad. Okay.
0: Meanwhile, uh, we see Leanne is passed out, and uh, we have McAllen texting her. He can't do it anymore; he's
1: out. Yeah, and she wakes up kind of in a panic when she gets that text, and, and really in a violent rage, like slams down her laptop and is just breaking stuff. She's the only one left in the headquarters too; mm-hmm. she's the last. Everybody one else is gone. Yeah. So what's gonna happen with McAllen? She's just gonna say like, "Come on." He's going to – yeah, I mean, that's probably what will happen is that she'll either threaten him or convince him. But, um, you know, maybe he's going to blow this whole thing up and he's going to go and tell people what he's been doing for the for the Underwood campaign.
0: I do think that there was a weird scene with Frank and his splitting headache uh, that we saw around this time in the episode. And uh, we see that um, he wants Claire to uh, – Claire, can you rub my eyes? And <laughs> – I just thought this was a kind of a weird conversation where she's like, Frank, you hate that. I mean, how often does that come up? Like, hey, can I rub your eyeballs? Uh, no, Claire, <laughs> no, you know how crazy. I don't care for that. Uh, that is not one of my favorite things to have a person uh, gouge my eyeballs uh, with their thumbs. You know I don't like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like Game of Thrones all over
0: again. I mean, is that a thing? But, uh, Has anybody ever done
1: that to you? Rub my eyeballs yeah. or my temples? No. <laughs> Not your temples. Like they're like you jam their thumbs into your eyes. Well, she was rubbing like the area above, like his eyebrow area. Like rub my eyebrows. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it was his eyeballs. I mean this, you know, this isn't this isn't like she's trying to crush his head or yeah. anything like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought that uh this was gonna be like a uh, trial by combat situation.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I do. I do wonder though. In the last episode, we had Frank losing his voice and coughing quite a bit. In this episode, we've got Frank with a splitting headache. You know, is is he just getting run down because he's he's the old guy, or is there something else going on? I mean, they always say when a character coughs in a TV show, mm-hmm. it it means something. There's not just like a random cough. Yeah. So, you know, does this headache mean? You know, are we going to see like a, a sick Frank Underwood or something?
0: Well, I don't know necessarily, but I do feel like that, you know, I, again, we don't even know if this is the final season of the show at the, at this point um, or if there's going to be a sixth season. But I do feel like that a really fun ending for this show would be there to be, you know, the uh, murder of Frank Underwood where Claire sets it in motion and she ends up becoming the president because of that she ended up taking Frank out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that. That could be an interesting end. Another interesting end could be, you know, just as we're talking through this, like if Frank gets terminally ill and it's like the one thing he can't figure out a way to scheme his way out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the the inevitable, the inevitable is coming for Frank father time.
0: Yeah, that would I mean, that would be sort of a a sad ending.
1: Yeah. A lot of times I watch this show and I can't. I like Claire out. plotting
0: him against him. Uh, I think that's more of a. I of a, uh, never saw that coming.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's definitely exciting. Do you think that? I mean, I guess we've talked about this quite a bit. Would Frank Underwood die by the end of this show? Um, I don't know how they how they would choose to end this. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that they could go. It'd be cool to see Frank just kind of take over with all this power and just you know they they get this plan in motion where Frank can be president forever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's how it ends. And it's just very dark. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't see that being the
1: ultimate ending to the show. Yeah, probably I don't not. think so. All right. Uh, anything else from this episode? Or you want to dive into some of these questions? You know, a couple things that I noticed. There was a really great shot uh, when the Ohio governor is giving the address and saying that uh, they can't he can't certify the results. And because of the closed voting centers, they pull back and the TV is right above all of these corked bottles of champagne at the bar. And it it was like right after, you know, Conway thought he was about to be president and he was, he was already, he got, you know, he heard about the concession and then we see this address and we see, nope, champagne is still in the bottle. Like not, not time to cork that just yet.
0: Champagne is still on ice, Conway. Sorry. Yeah. Save it. Save it.
1: Um, and we also got some really weird stuff with Yates yeah. once again in this episode. Like, that guy is strange. Yeah, he's
0: weird. Um, let's get, get into uh, one of our questions. And Spencer Y writes to us, uh, wants to know about the uh, Yates there's still time message. With Yates' blunt conversation with Claire about their future together, if Frank was to win the election, uh, was Yates making one final last-ditch effort to convince Claire to leave Frank for good and start a Frank-free relationship with him? Or was Claire's earlier awkward handshake with him a sign that she doesn't feel the same way about Yates and they may be headed towards a breakup regardless of the election outcome? They seem to be growing more distant with each episode."
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Yates is is very in love with Claire. And I think for Claire, like, there is just not, she does not feel the same way about him. And, and in terms of the awkward handshake, like, what do you expect? They're out in public. Is she going to, like, you know, give, like, make out with him in front of, like, all these press people? Of course she's just going to shake his hand. They're business associates in, you know, in terms of what the public knows about them. Yeah,
0: he's losing it,
1: Yates. Yeah, it, and he's like, oh, come to this cabin with me, uh, you know. That's not what she this, wants. This is the cabin. Right. Yeah. Like, do you know anything about Claire Underwood? Do you think she wants to just go hide out in a cabin with you for the rest right. of
0: her life? Uh, she wants, I mean, that's why she's attracted to Frank Underwood. She wants the power as much as he does. So, you know, it's like, okay, Yates, yeah. uh, you
1: might be more dreamy than Frank Underwood. Uh, but And he's not really that dreamy, by the way. I don't think Yates is like this this hunky dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's that's fine. He's but, fine. you know, uh, I mean, if, if you're going to, but... You know, comparison to Frank Underwood, with all due respect to the great President Underwood. Now look, Rob, that was uncalled for. <laughs> In my day. it's unconstitutional. Yes. Okay. Johnny DeSilvera wants to know about, uh, do you think
1: that Claire is going to break the fourth wall of this season? I mean, we've been waiting for it. And we got it at the end of the last season. And we thought we got it to open up this season that she was going to be doing it. Um, I do think... You know, I think we're gonna get we're gonna get some more kind of Claire centric stuff. I did notice Claire is sort of in the back seat for for some of the scenes of this episode. Now, Claire, get in the back seat and let me drive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She uh she needs to she needs to just sit back. But no, she should be you know, she should be up in front. She's an equal partner in this, and she wants to be an equal partner, and, and Frank tells her she's an equal partner, but then Frank's delivering this long monologue about what they're going to do in the future. And then she goes and opens the door and invites Doug and Leanne in. Mm. And I just feel like there are times when we see, you know, Claire is second fiddle to yeah. Frank. Uh, where is Doug versus Leanne going? Is it Doug versus Leanne or Doug plus Leanne? There was a, a nice little embrace between them where she puts his, her hand on his arm. I was like, mm. you know, Doug does like the, uh, The brunette ladies. So, you know, could we see some? Are we going to ship some Doug and Leanne? No, I'm not shipping that. Deanne. Uh, No, I'm not shipping it. Are you? I mean, you know, we've said that before and then things happen. Oh, yeah, like that. You know, would we see a threesome with Meacham? Yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we did. So, you know, it would not be out of the realm for this show to put Doug and Leanne together. Yeah, another power couple. Yeah, I mean, Doug's, Doug's back on the market. I think Laura ready is Sorry, out of here. Sorry, Laura Moretti. Okay, uh, yeah. voted out.
0: Sorry. All right, um, here's a question from Brendan Fitzy, who says, how great is it to have the old Doug back? Is this going to be the best season of Doug? And does that inevitably mean we're going to end up having the last season of Doug? I feel like he's being set up to fall hard when his whole voting scandal comes to a head.
1: I mean, I don't know if we necessarily have the old Doug. Like at, at times, he's really good at getting these guys to do what he wants. We saw it with the uh, with Matthews in the last episode, and then we saw it with the Ohio governor here. But um, I still think season one, Doug was, you know, that was that was the top when he was doing the stuff with Pete Russo, and um, you know, he was at, he was at his A game back then. But um, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the season of Doug. And
0: worse, Doug was uh, recovering from the accident.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the, the the booze syringe Doug, yeah. and um, Not good. just going crazy. I mean that w- that was Doug's darkest hour for sure. Doug's darkest hour
0: Doug Dark Doug. Okay. Uh and yeah. Brendan Fitzpatrick wants to know, uh what's the worst case
1: of deja vu you've ever had? When was the last time you experienced deja vu? Oh glitch in the matrix. Um, I mean I, I feel like I get deja vu from time to time. Um, but it's always something it's like hard to put your finger on it when you get it, you're like, This just feels familiar. Mm. So I can't like I don't have any good like deja vu stories except, you know, trips to deja vu. Mm. I don't know if you've ever been to a deja vu before.
0: <laughs> what is that?
1: Oh, it's like a gentleman's club Whoa. that uh yeah, that Doug Stamper would like to attend. Yeah, okay. No, I have not been there. <laughs> I think it's a chain. I think there's deja vus all over the place. And
0: Brendan Fitzpatrick also wants to know, uh, what's the worst case of deja vu you've ever had? When is the last time you've experienced deja vu? Um,
1: huh, I'm feeling like I'm getting deja vu right now. <laughs> you see what he did? <laughs> see what he did there? Okay. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, it was a glitch in the Matrix. Yes. All right. Um, Anything else from chapter 56? Uh, we did get introduced to the chair of the DNC. Her name is Patty. Patty, and she's talking to to Claire about you know, even if you lose four years down the road, you know, there's a there's a precedent for this. So I would much prefer if Patty Levin was the chair of the DNC. Oh man, the uh, the guilty what is it? The guilty <laughs> political party or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh,
0: they do have a political operation from what I understand. Okay. And more Ann Curry. Uh, poor, I, I feel bad for Ann Curry. I feel like that she doesn't have anything else going on that. She had to just be like the news anchor on house of cards this season.
1: Yeah. it's Probably like one day of filming and she, you know, gets to, gets to be in front of a new audience. Okay. Everybody, everybody's getting Netflix specials these days, you know, give her an hour of stand up uh, And Curry hour of standup. Yeah. The Curry hour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right what's the hashtag Zach oh man um I mean you know dark Doug is a good one I think that's yeah. probably I don't think we have any other uh
0: hashtags unless we can go back to uh Usher or Al Gore uh circa 2000 so uh let's uh go well, with uh Sean Jeffries, <laughs> Jeffries now uh let's, let's stick with uh was it uh dark Doug Dark Doug. Dark Doug. And so we are just about to now pause to go watch Chapter 57. And then when we come back, uh, you guys will be able to hear us live. But before we get into that, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. And those are our friends over at Hulu, who, of course, uh, bring you a number of outstanding on-demand prestige dramas and uh, much more, uh, including shows like The Handmaid's Tale, which everybody is uh, talking about. In addition, uh, did you watch the show with James Franco where he went back in time? Did you like
1: that one? Yeah, 11-22-63. Yes. I, uh, I read the book, too, and then watched that show Talk about a dark dud. and it's a dark incident that happens in that yes. show. Yes. Uh,
0: I like how, but then they went back in time that the, all the food tastes good. I think that was the thing that was, uh, I, I wanted to. Oh, yeah. It really sparked my interest in time travel after that.
1: <laughs> I know it's like oh it must be so much better way back. Well, then. how good is that burger? Uh, so yeah, uh, you can check out
0: all those shows and much more on Hulu. Hulu also has a new look and a new experience where you can watch all the originals in one place, like Handmaid's Tale, Harlots, and Casual, full seasons of Fargo, Blackish, Empire, Fear the Walking Dead, Nashville, all exclusively on. Hulu, but in addition, uh, they've got a new feature: live TV on Hulu. Now, I'm interested in this because uh, that my cable bill is uh, through the roof, and uh, for just $39.99, you can add Hulu with Live, which includes limited commercials, uh, Hulu streaming plan, and 50 plus live and on-demand channels. Uh, watch sports, including regional sports news. Other can't-miss events, uh, ESPN, I'm not sure if you, if you have over on uh, your news channels, if you could watch uh, Ann Curry and Tom Hammerschmidt uh, like we see on uh, this show. Record live TV with Cloud DVR. Enjoy all your TV in one place with a brand new Hulu experience. Go to Hulu.com and start your free trial today. That's at Hulu.com.
1: All right, Zach, anything else? That's yeah, great. Yeah, it's always best to do it live, so uh, it's a good thing that Hulu is uh, has got that. Still, now. even still, people do it live? I mean, you know, like, live live events are the best. Nothing wrong with doing our live. Alright, so we will be back in just a moment, talking about chapter 57 of How's a Car?
0: And we're back, chapter 57, my main
1: man, Zach Brooks. Oh, Rob, can you uh can you tell me how Akiva does podcasts or you know, oh how Antonio boy. does podcasts. Like, yes. How do they yes. act on the audio environment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, I just want to make sure that you know we're, we're speaking the same language here. Yep. 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 Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs>
1: boy, things are really heating up. Time jump. Whoa! Uh,
0: we didn't have a big time jump. We had like a three day time jump in between when we recorded the last episode and uh, this, but nothing like uh, what what the three month time jump here.
1: Nine weeks. Yes, I guess it's about two months and change. Yeah, at least, it's, I think it said nine nine weeks in the episode description, I believe. Yeah, so there you go. And so uh,
0: a lot to figure out as we go along here as it uh, looks like we are headed towards a coin flip to decide the president of the United States.
1: Yeah, and I have a theory on where I think we're going to end up. I I feel like it's kind of, you know, I would be surprised if you didn't have the same theory. What's your a, theory? Where do you think I we're think going? I think we're going to end up with a Conway Claire.
0: Yeah, uh, no, I'm excited for that. I I hope that's what happens.
1: I mean, I feel like we're going to get that, and then you know, a lot of the rest of the season is going to be Frank and Claire trying to overthrow Conway, and maybe mm-hmm. the other way. Also, maybe we're going to see Conway and Brockhart trying to overthrow Claire. It, it, I think that that is a very interesting, unique way for them to take this story that I would not have expected. Obviously.
0: Yeah. Because I don't know where we go with this story if it just ends up with, no, Frank and Claire are in the White House, and then where they're just like, continue to be mired in scandal, and they're like trying to fight off Hammerschmidt, and you know, there's really no policy going on. I mean, we did uh, so much stuff with uh, the Russian storyline, like that's not even, it hasn't even been brought up in terms of uh, anything going on, like foreign policy or anything. Other than ICO, that's like the only policy issue on the table in uh, the House of Cards America
1: yeah I it, you know the the Russia thing in House of Cards I didn't even really think about that but um you know it, House of Cards likes to just bring back any of these loose plot threads you know the the Lisa thread you know who thought we were going to get Lisa ever again on House of No cards? never
0: never thought that that was going to be the case but uh we, a lot to uh work out here and um yeah, I think we're coming down to this coin flip, and Frank Underwood says he has a plan for this. He had another yeah. great monologue. The mo- Frank Underwood monologues this season have been really on point.
1: Yeah, I, I really like that. They showed some um, some of my favorite spots in D.C. He's over at the Jefferson Memorial, um, which if you ever visit D.C., I highly recommend going there. Uh, a lot of people don't have that on their list, but it's got a great view of the city. It's right on the water, and that's when he's walking down the steps towards the end of that monologue. He's there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that was that was a really fun way to to open up this episode, especially after we had a, a nine week layoff.
0: Let me tell you about flippism. Uh, flippism is uh, invented by Donald Duck. And <laughs> yeah. uh, like what? 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 <laughs> I,
1: I didn't I didn't actually do any research into flippism. I don't know if Donald Duck really did invent that. Yes. Uh, but yeah, nice to get a Donald Duck reference on House of Cards. I didn't yes. have that one on my bingo board.
0: Okay, well, it is talked about on, there's a Wikipedia page for Flippism, and they do give uh, Donald Duck uh, the credit uh, from 1953. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. Flippism, it also says, uh, an actual coin is not necessary. Dice or another random generator may be used for decision making.
1: Oh, I wonder what we'll get. I mean, I, I feel like a, a coin would be... The most random, I mean, if they use some kind of like like random dot org, I I feel like that could be hacked by McAllen or by by one of these other hackers. But, you know, a coin, we get a real two face where it's a a loaded coin or a double sided coin and double sided coin. Yeah. Could you imagine? I mean, really, (laughs) uh, how crazy would this be?
0: Um, Does Frank, as the incumbent, is uh, does he get to call or is it where we have Conway, who's kind of the visitor here? Does he get to uh, call the coin?
1: I'd assume it's like the Super Bowl, where we get one one side has Frank's head on it, and one side has Conway's head on it.
0: Now, who flips the coin? Do we have like a former president come out? Is it like the Speaker of the House who does the flip?
1: Uh, yeah, it's got to be somebody honorary um, and and somebody unbiased. I mean, maybe maybe we get Donald Blythe to flip it. He seems like he's having um, he's having a lot of power these days, or uh, or uh, you know, you bring back Garrett Walker.
0: Mm-hmm. I think they should get Ryan Seacrest to come out and do the flip. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it'd be great if they get some some actual celebrity to make a cameo as the coin flipper.
0: Yeah. Well, I was pumped up to watch an episode of Morning Joe during this.
1: Yeah, I wrote that down. Your your boys, uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Morning Joe. Joe and Mika odd. make yeah. an appearance
0: here with Donnie Deutsch Donnie on the panel. Deutsch. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Yeah, it's uh it's it's really we're mixing we're mixing real world and the house of cards universe now. Um, you know, you talked about Morning Joe. It's like it's like the show was listening and, and they. Yes. Thank you for bringing uh,
0: Morning Joe into the uh, House of Cards universe. OK, so I, I mean, um, what do you think the chances are uh, that we get this uh, split ticket to happen?
1: Oh, I, I mean, it's got to be really high. They, they've they just teased it out so much. And um, it just seems like from a narrative perspective you know, that that is where we're going. I, I do think it's it's interesting because at the end of the episode, we've got that whole scene with uh, not Donald Duck, but Donald Blythe, where he's talking about that. He's not uh, he's not going to block the filibuster. He's going to let them filibuster. So they're not going to be voting at the same time. Yeah. And so they haven't voted. I don't think they've voted Claire in yet.
0: Well, it looks like the the House already voted. They I mean, they came up with this 25-25 tie.
1: Right, but the Senate hasn't voted yet right. for Claire. Right, right. Um, but Claire, because it is a tie, Claire is acting president now.
0: Mm. Um, She's the acting president, because. but don't they need to vote on the vice president? I mean, I feel like yeah, Donald Blythe is acting president.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe you're right. They said the vice president was acting president, and then they showed Claire in like a power position. And so in my in my head, I keep forgetting Claire isn't actually the vice president yet. She's right. Still just they still the need
0: to vote. Now, I think that there was some debate over whatever side won the presidency. They were going to vote in their vice president because uh, they felt like that was going to be what was best for the country rather than end up having uh, this uh, split ticket. And ultimately, you know... If that's not the case, uh, if we need to have the VP decided by the Senate, then they could be support to vote for Claire and then ultimately not knowing who the president is.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where we're going, because they did say that Claire has the numbers in the Senate after after all of her work wrangling the votes throughout this episode. She she does seem to have the numbers at the end. And so, I, you know, I think we're going to we're going to enter into a vote for Claire being vice president. Uh, before we have the president decided. Yeah. It, it seems like that is not the best process. Yeah. Um I, And I I mean, Frank says this is what's written in the Constitution. Uh, I can't believe that there's actually something in the Constitution where we could potentially have a situation where we have this split ticket.
0: It's called the 12th Amendment, Zach.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I need to study up on my amendments, apparently.
0: Yeah. I didn't even know.
1: I'm sure we have an email from... You know, one of our fact checkers letting us know all about the 12th Amendment.
0: Okay, One of our uh, amendment experts that are out there. Yeah,
1: correspondents that are out there.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, really, a lot of the action is centered on Claire because uh, we see first, uh, you know, uh, a lot of stuff going on with Yates. Thirsty Yates. He's on another date.
1: Yeah. Yates is date. Yates dates. (laughs) Yates dates
0: is right. (laughs) Who's this woman? What's his problem?
1: I don't know. And, you know, we didn't get a great shot of her, but did she look like Claire to you a little bit? She's got kind of that same look. Uh, certainly,
0: she is a middle-aged blonde woman, so uh, yeah. maybe that's, <laughs> that's his <about> it. type. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta, uh, although his type, I think, is flexible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Yates is a sensitive soul. Yes. And so... For
0: him to be cheating on Claire, like, in broad daylight, uh, this is a bad move. I mean, I think that Yates should be pretty high up on the death draft right now.
1: Yeah, but she'd tell him to leave. Okay, that doesn't mean go and hook up with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, he got caught on that live stream. I mean, she was watching him. But she looked, I mean, you know, they're they're all over the place. I think she was just interested watching him and seeing what, what he's like when she's not around. Yeah. Okay. And for
0: Claire, she is talking with people about how uh, in her meeting about a vote for her is not necessarily a vote for Frank. Is she doing anything that's sort of uh, duplicitous to Frank? Is
1: is she betraying Frank in any way? I don't think she's betraying Frank necessarily, but she is... Um, doing whatever it takes to win, which is the same thing that Frank would do. I mean, Frank mm-hmm. would do whatever it takes to win. If this if the shoe was on the other foot and they asked Frank, you know, is, is a vote for you a vote for Claire? Um, you know, he would say he would say whatever these people want to hear. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's really what Claire is doing as well. And um, she, you know, she does bring up a good point. If Conway's in office, wouldn't you want uh, a Democrat in the office to to give him a check? But don't you see this as a
0: potential issue if we end up with Frank loses to Conway and then Claire is the vice president and ultimately Claire ascends to the presidency? How do you think that's going to go with Frank Underwood as the first gentleman?
1: Oh, I don't think that's what I don't think that's what Frank wants at all. Um. It feels like a
0: weird spot for him, right? And, and I oh, almost definitely. feel like that Claire might say, in, um, like, Frank, could you give us a minute? Like, I, I almost feel like that he's going to end up being squeezed out of this. I mean, we almost had this scenario with Bill Clinton and Hillary, and there was a lot of talk about, like, uh, you know, Bill Clinton, he just wants to go and do his thing. But um, Frank Underwood seems like that um, he doesn't want to go out and be on the golf course or, like, uh, you know, doing any sort of like charity work or touring the country. Like, he wants to be there in those meeting rooms. And I don't know how that necessarily would look if she needs to potentially distance herself from the unpopular Frank Underwood. That could end up being a potential conflict between them,
1: yeah. you know, I think that that and that would be an interesting conflict to watch. It would be an interesting situation to watch Frank uh, where he is not the the alpha in this relationship where he has to take the back seat and let her drive. I think mm-hmm. you know, I think this is a. This will be an interesting thing to watch unfold. And, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I just do think that's where we're headed with Conway, with the Conway Claire ticket. Um, If you remember back to last season, we did have that night when the Conways and the Underwoods shared the White House and all of them were in there um, towards the end of the season. And, you know, that's that's some nice foreshadowing for potentially all four of them living in the White House again. It's also going to be
0: pretty wacky. Oh, yeah, this would be like a, a real like uh, sitcom at this point. But um, does the spouse of the vice president really have any sort of pull with anything? I feel like that if Claire Underwood is the vice president, like the vice president's spouse seems uh, like, OK, you can uh, you know run along now, Frank. Like, uh, like I'm sure the president is going to say, uh, uh, you know, uh, Madam Vice President, could you get your husband out of here? like he has no official position uh That's in his
1: cabinet. Yeah, he he's the uh Jill Biden of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that I, I you know, Frank knows how to work his power. Um and maybe Frank being being in the back seat without the spotlight on him would be exactly what the doctor called for when Frank has like a 13% approval rating. Uh back off a little bit. Let some other stuff happen. Work behind the scenes. You you know, we saw Frank working behind the scenes in the first season. So, uh, you know, let's see what kind of tricks Frank has up his sleeve as the uh, first vice gentleman. I don't know what that would even what you would even be called, the first vice gentleman. But (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the plan with Claire as vice president is to make Claire the president.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, we got to see another uh, big moment from Claire in this episode uh, where she had the, you know, confrontation with Donald Blythe and Blythe ends up saying like, oh, you'll, you know, you'll have your day. And she really just snaps at him and she says, uh, you're a fool, Donald, you and your dumb dead wife. What did you ever actually do? I was like, oh, my
1: God. Yeah, that was awful. Is that the worst thing anybody said to anybody else on this show? Uh, It's up there. It's up there. I'm struggling to think of something that's as bad as that.
0: You and your dumb dead wife.
1: Yeah. Who knew? Who knew Claire had that in her?
0: I was trying to uh, transcribe as fast as she was saying, you just like the position of the bumbling idiot. You have a legacy of nothing. Sign the measure. Start the vote now. Yeah. Legacy. Yeah, we're going back to that legacy theme again. That legacy, uh, and then he tells her that uh, you're missing an N and a T from your initials. Come on, <laughs> come on, Donald Blythe, keep it classy. Don't yeah. lose the
1: moral high ground. That was a quick. Uh, that was a quick. Oh, response. he was working on that I...
0: one for a while. He had that in the chamber.
1: Yeah, he did. He did have that one saved. That's his. That's his legacy advantage.
0: He probably saw that. That's like a meme on uh, whatever sort of like uh, fake news websites are out there.
1: Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he right. didn't think of that. It's like Crooked Clare, but uh, they, add, they add Crooked Clare Underwood, but they add some letters. Yeah, not good, not good. Who got the upper hand at the end of that? Who would you say won that that boxing match, Claire or, or uh, Blythe? Mm, I mean, uh, I mean, whether they're going to do the filibuster or not, I think that vote's coming. I think I feel like we're going to get that now. Yeah, we are. So. But I just mean in terms of the uh, verbal sparring that we just saw, who had the better burn? Mm I think that
0: she certainly had like you that that did not bother Claire Underwood she's heard worse than that Yeah it's true Yeah <laughs> Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what uh, Frank Underwood is up to with uh, Congressman Romero. Uh, you and I talked about him earlier this season. I that you were you had the uh, the right read on that. Uh, he is a Democratic Congressperson. Um, I thought that he was from the Republican Party. I thought he was in opposition to Frank. It turns out, that yes, uh, that he is uh, part of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and he's on Frank for not being progressive enough and he feels like that that's going to be his platform. Uh, Frank seems very confident with uh, Congressman Romero and seems as though that he is going to uh,
1: have the upper hand with him. I just don't see, like, what's Frank's game here? Yeah, I mean, Frank, first he sends Doug because uh, Romero is avoiding him. And, and then they finally were able to get get Alex Romero to meet with them. And he's from Arizona is what I have down in my notes. Uh, they, got, they got him to meet with Frank and offered him power in exchange for the votes from Maine, Wisconsin, and New Hampshire. So he was trying to get those three states, which would have locked up the vote for Frank. And they, they went back and forth and um, Romero asked him if he was bribing him. And Frank said, Frank had a good line here where he said a bribe is something you can refuse So Mm -hmm. basically told him, like, there is no saying no to this. Whether you want to do it or not, you're going to do this. You're going to work with me. Yeah. So uh, and then by the end of the episode, uh, Alex said he wasn't able to sway the voting block. So, you know, he did he did try or he claims he tried. Frank, I think, correctly reads that Alex is Alex is reading the polls and Alex can see where things are going. Uh, And so that's why he didn't step up to help Frank, because he knew Frank was going to lose this vote.
0: Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, interesting to think where Frank is going with this. I mean, does he have something on this guy? How's he gonna burn Romero?
1: No, I mean I don't think he has anything on him yet. Um, but Frank has the ability to get to get dirt on anybody. We saw in that scene a little bit later when he's on the phone with all of these different people. Yeah, that was a fun he, montage. Yeah, he has he has dirt on everybody. He's got lots of sources and he's got Doug and Leanne. Um, And and Frank, you know, way back to his season one days when he's a member of Congress, he knows how to work these congressmen and get them to do what he wants, even if they don't have the same beliefs as him.
0: Okay, we've been seeing uh, a lot about the hunt for McAllen. Uh, Is McAllen going to uh, really throw Frank and the administration and Doug and Claire, everybody under the bus? Uh, Leanne needs to track him down uh he's in Jakarta perhaps uh nobody can track down McAllen is this an interesting story for you where is McAllen
1: it's not interesting right now but I do feel like you know just the way we've seen other characters come back you know McAllen's gonna come back into the fold somehow and be an important part of this story they spent too much time with him yeah um I, I don't think he's just on a kill list and they're gonna they're gonna find him and kill him no we should be so lucky yeah. He he I do think he's on a kill list. Doug says sure. there, there is no such thing, but yeah. yeah, the FBI, the CIA, all the hunters are out looking for McAllen. <laughs>
0: yes. how many bars of Ri Fi for McAllen?
1: Oh man. Uh well you need a lot of RIFI in order to do all of this hunting or all of this all of this hacking that he's been doing. Yeah. But for his storyline, I'll give it I'll give him two bars of wi fi Okay. Uh
0: McAllen blackmailing uh the Underwood administration. That's not uh something I'm super interested in. Like, is he gonna like have some sort of like document dump of everything going on? Um, I mean, that's sort of like we got enough uh, you know, drama happening. Uh, we don't necessarily need to mess around with this. But what about Doug? Uh who seems to be in big trouble considering
1: that Lisa when was the last time we saw Lisa? I wanna say season. Two? Three. Three. No, I think season Yeah, because I think season three, but maybe it might be season two. Just to refresh everybody's memory, she was she was Rachel's friend who became lovers towards the end of the season. Right. Uh they were in the same support group together. Um and Rachel was ultimately ended up um dead and buried by Doug's hand mm-hmm yeah, and that was in Rachel was killed at the end of season three,
0: okay, and so uh here she is in Hammerschmidt's office uh talking about this. I thought that Hammerschmidt was a bit of a skeptic, but I guess he's just uh, a good newsman doesn't really just uh, chomp at you know at every the first bite at something that uh oh this sounds juicy, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he knew her. Okay, but he ends up sort of taking these notes, and then uh, we see our very intrepid journalist, Sean, taking a picture of this. What's he going to do? He's going to go back to Seth with this information, and then Seth is going to also have something against Doug? Yeah,
1: I... I think so. I think it's also that that Sean Jeffries and Seth are are starting to form a working relationship. I don't know if if Sean is necessarily working against Seth or, you know, maybe they have something planned, the two of them, and they're going to kind of tag team up on this Um, because he's bringing Seth information and he's bringing him. Hey, this is a credible threat that's out there that you guys might want to you guys might want to take care of. But why don't Seth
0: and Leanne have an alliance against Doug?
1: I think Leanne and Doug are starting to work together. And I think things are things are getting smoothed out between them. And, and Seth just seems like he's kind of on the outside looking in right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, he's
0: never even at the White House.
1: Uh, I mean, no. he's, <laughs> just send him out. out there. are like, uh, keep Seth busy so he doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, we, we see lots of comparisons to Doug being a dog. But um, I think we've compared Seth to a dog in the past as well.
0: And they just send him to go and uh, keep doing stuff. Um, yeah. But Doug has a lot going on uh, in this episode, besides uh, sort of the specter of Lisa out in uh, the world. Um, We see him with Laura Moretti. And what's going on there? Was she going out to dinner, but he was late? And then she had to lie and say he wasn't coming? And then uh, she wanted to lay in the back of his car and pretend that he was in an Uber?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Doug... Doug, the Uber driver, I think Doug is an Uber driver, Uh, would be a very funny spinoff to watch, you know, after his career is done in the White House. Maybe we just watch Doug driving around Washington, D.C., and just being very creepy to everybody he picks up in his Uber.
0: Now, Doug, I've been reviewing your Uber driver ratings, and uh, they've uh, dipped below four stars. That's a terrible approval rating uh, for an Uber driver. Uh, what could we be doing to boost those ratings, Doug? <laughs>
1: but, offer some mints, bottled water, hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. phone chargers. Yeah, you know you got to give you got to give the people what they think they're entitled to.
0: Give them what they want, Doug. Come on. Come on. Speaking of give people what they want. So after another uh, romp with Laura Moretti,
1: I thought this was done. I thought we were done yeah, with Laura Moretti. Yeah.
0: Um, what's come? How do we get into this uh, conversation? Uh, he wants to know what her deceased husband would do uh, for her.
1: Yeah. Doug's a weird guy. And that was kind of what I took from that scene. He's He's asking her, like, what did, what did he do that you liked and um you know what basically like what sex positions did he did you guys do and how was the sex with your dead husband that uh, she still doesn't know he is pretty much responsible for the death of her husband it, it's just it's just all kinds of creepy reset that Re- reset that so her husband was um up for the i think kidney donation right. that Frank got right. in the last season and Doug got Frank moved to the top of the list and Frank got the kidney Um, Or liver, or whatever organ he ended up getting that was supposed to be for Laura Moretti's husband.
0: Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. I I did forget about that detail.
1: So there's all kinds of like weird stuff going on. And I I mean, I think this is probably Doug working through some of these issues and the guilt that he feels. And, uh, you know, we do see that guilt and come out a little bit later on in the episode. So I think we're just, you know, that's kind of for that backstory. Yeah. And I, when he asks
0: her, uh, do, do you want me to do that to you? I was pretty sure she was going to say, mm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, Doug. Yeah, this is her dead I'm husband.
1: Fine. I'm fine. She's like, eh, uh, yeah, I guess so. And he, he did ask, um, you know, do the dead judge us? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of talk about. I and mean, what's Doug thinking about? Who's What's bothering him? What's bothering Doug in this relationship? Y- yeah. I mean, I think that he's seeing that Frank's potentially going to lose this presidency that Laura Moretti lost her husband, so that Frank could keep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's where he's combining the two things in his mind. I mean, the, it
1: just does feel like
0: you know. Now, Doug, come on! Now get your head in the game. Are you loyal to me, Doug? <laughs> yeah, he's got his head somewhere. That's for sure. Yes. Um. You know, that's always uh, trouble when the president asks you, "Are you loyal to me?"
1: Yeah. And uh, if somebody asks you if you're loyal to them, you say yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, Frank uh, ends up getting really mad at Doug in this episode where we find out that only Leanne was able to keep Maine and uh, Doug was not able to come through on the states that he was supposed to uh, be delivering. And uh, yeah, Frank goes right into questioning Doug's loyalty. I mean, if there's anything that you question about Doug, his loyalty, I feel like, is never that. I mean, he seems like uh, you know, he would do anything for Frank Underwood.
1: Yeah, but this is a touchy spot for Doug, and I think that Frank knows that. He doesn't actually question Doug's loyalty. I think that he knows that if he questions Doug's loyalty, that's how he can really break down Doug and then build him back up. I mean, we talked about, uh, about Seth being a dog, and, you know, I, I just watched the scene as, as Frank was, was the Doug dog or a dog, Doug owner. And was building him or breaking him down, and then building him right back up with some tough love to make sure that he had his eye on the prize. And and as you said, is having the game,
0: Doug. That was just some tough love for you. Don't don't pay that no attention, okay?
1: Yeah. Now go get yourself a treat. (laughs)
0: Yeah, go get a treat. Um, Look, can we talk about the what's going on in uh, Conway Land? Because things are getting uh, a little crazy. A little rocky. A little rocky. Uh, f- what's going on with um, Will Conway's uh, PTSD and virtual reality?
1: So that seems like that's like a virtual reality therapy session. Uh, when I first saw that scene, I wrote, you know, is Doug doing like virtual reality Call of Duty with a therapist? Then realized that I think this guy's name was Tony and I think he's a poly hop guy. And it seems like he was doing this uh, in order to get some funding for this virtual reality system. But then later on in the episode, it is alluded to that it is some sort of therapy. So uh, I guess he's trying to get trying to get funding for like a virtual reality therapy right uh, PTSD system, which that seems like a great thing to fund. It seems like that could be really helpful for people
0: if it helps people. Sure, uh, that's that's great. But uh, Mrs. Conway, Shmoopy Conway, she is she's not happy.
1: Yeah, I think that. Things have gotten very tense. I think that the election results and waiting around when Conway thought he was going to be president and to have that ripped right out from under him. And now he might be president. He might not. He might have Claire as his vice president. He might have Brockhart. it It's just all getting him. And understandably so. I think, you know, anybody would be under a lot of pressure. Uh, especially nine weeks of this going on. I can't imagine being in limbo for nine weeks.
0: Now, are you buying into the marital discord of the Conways? Is that going to be a real thing?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as much as we saw marital discord with the Underwoods, I think this this job just takes a lot of uh, takes its toll on you and takes a lot of pressure on you. Are they still doing vlogs all the time? I have not seen them doing anything. I don't know when the last time they updated their social media channels were. And if, you know, nine weeks pass, people might already be done with whatever they were already, whatever they were using. Right. You know, people have moved on now from Snapchat to Instagram.
0: I guess so. Um, General Brockhart, don't see a lot of support for him on this ticket. Uh, There is no chance that we end up with a scenario with Frank Underwood as president and General Brockhart as vice
1: president. No, we're not getting the uh, edit for General Brockhart. No, he he does not have winner edit in this election. He he is not going to win the VP spot. No, which is sad. Um, And Conway seems like he doesn't even like him. No, Conway even told him. So they had that interview and they mentioned that the moderator was more interested in Brockhart. uh, And then they're standing outside of, of whatever this interview was. And Conway tells Brockhart that they need to divide and conquer. So yeah. Conway is telling the general he doesn't like their milit their military strategy they well, and he's telling them a military strategy. I mean this guy's a general. Like the general should be the one saying divide and conquer, and Conway's the one who's giving orders. Yeah.
0: Although, I mean Conway does have a military background. Yeah, but he's not a
1: general. Captain. Yeah. Well, Close. And a, and a checkered background in the military, it seems like. Yeah. What else is going on here? Well, we did have uh the return of Eric. I didn't recognize him, but uh the it seems like Eric was the reenactor from the Gettysburg or uh Spotsylvania episode right. way back in season I believe that was two. season Was it season 2? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was right when we were first starting a podcast about this show. Okay. And he they talk about Augustus Underwood who was Frank's great 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 great-grandfather, right. uh, many generations above Frank. Uh, and they they talk about this while they're looking at the rebuilt Civil War model that Frank's put so much time into. And Eric is very impressed with uh, the level of detail in this model and the amount of work that Frank has put into it. And uh, you could probably take that as being symbolic of the the level of detail and the amount of work that Frank has put into his power and his legacy.
0: Yeah, what's the key takeaway from all of this talk? Because I felt like that um, the one thing of note that I got from this was this idea of that Frank's ancestor was shot and like left for dead, and then like twenty four hours later he got back up, and then you heard when he was leaving, he says, uh, "You're gonna come out of this alive. You're an Underwood." But we did spend a lot of time on this.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Frank looks like, especially at the end of this episode, and maybe at the end of the next episode, if he loses the coin flip, he might be the one who's left for dead uh, and somehow can come back out of it, just like his great, great, great grandfather. So he's resilient, just like the Underwood name.
0: He is resilient. Uh, so yeah. we'll see. Uh, we'll see what's
1: going on. Um, did you did you notice that um, they mentioned that Eric works as a personal trainer now? Yeah. Yeah. And this is the second reference to a personal trainer that we've had this season. When Sean and Seth got drinks a couple episodes ago, uh, Sean mentioned that one of the people with them was a personal trainer in D.C. And I just thought it was interesting that that was referenced twice. And so I wonder if the same guy, I wonder if it might have been the same guy. And if somehow this is going to circle back that that Eric is working with Sean.
0: Interesting. Um, Did you feel like that this could potentially be a love interest for Frank Underwood?
1: I don't know, but I wasn't sure if Eric was part of Frank's family. Yeah. I know. he's an actor. He's not a descendant of an Underwood? I think though? he played one in the reenactment, but I don't think he actually is. Huh. Kind of like how Frank is playing a president.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's more like how Kevin Spacey is playing a president.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, so, I, don't, know. I, don't, I don't see that as a love interest. I, I think... I think the uh he's the personal trainer working with Sean is a more viable conspiracy theory. Yeah,
0: I could see that. Um <laughs> what about Mark the pollster for uh for uh, president uh or candidate Conway?
1: Yeah, Mark Usher. Um you know, he's he's there. He's having these secret meetings with Hannah. Um he's just I mean, I don't think he's doing a ton yet besides just kind of being being this sneaky guy working on behalf of of Conway, he'll um, be in the White
0: House when uh, we end up with President Conway, right? He'll be like chief
1: of staff. yeah, he's gonna be the Doug for uh, for Conway. yeah, that'll be good. I mean he he looks like he's on like an episode of Melrose place or something with the the turtleneck and the gray hair and the the sport cut like he just looks like a 90s soap guy.
0: yeah, I could definitely see it. Uh, I'm looking at his IMDB uh did he do any 90s soaps uh no not really kind of got his big break he was in the uh he played thomas jefferson in uh, a miniseries in 97
1: oh yeah so that was good that was good i think he would have been too young in 97 to play thomas he must have had to play a young thomas maybe play the
0: young thomas jefferson i I mean how old did uh you know the founding fathers get how old is thomas jefferson they had powdered wigs so it's hard to tell exactly how
1: old they were that, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, they, they looked older than they were. Looked older. Okay. Kind of like Kevin Spacey in this in this show. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh,
0: you want to start to get into some of these questions that we have about the episode? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, I always like to uh, open up with uh, Spencer Y, because he has uh, always a bunch of uh, questions of stuff that we might have forgotten. Um, in the opening, Spencer talks about the uh, not-my-president protests. Uh, as many subtle things have mirrored the real-life 2016 election from the first several episodes of the season, uh, this cold opening with the not-my-president-and-never-underwood protesters and Frank's uh, exposition reference to a missing Supreme Court justice, was that totally ripped from real-life events? Um he, uh, also, he adds, uh, are you in total agreement this scene was filmed after the outcome of the 2016 election? Do you think we'll get more shoehorned in on-the-nose scenes uh, that are a reminder of a wink and a nod to stuff that really happened after the 2016 election? Um That's interesting. I'd have to go back and take a look at it because I really have to believe that, um, I mean, this is coming on in June. When could this, like, how early could this stuff have been filmed to make it for this season? Could things have been filmed
1: as a pickup also after the fact? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, because that that scene did feel kind of tacked on a little bit, um, and and they could have added this after. Uh, but the writers have said that they wrote the whole season before the election even happened. Right. But did they shoot the season? When did that happen? Because I mean, the, the, like that scene could
0: be written, but then in terms of like the direction, you could be like, oh no, make the make the protesters say this, and you know, make the sign say this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some of that could have been inspired by real life events, but I would think that the the creators of this show might want to distance themselves from real life events, um, just just based on the way like. People are feeling people feel so overwhelmed with everything going on politically right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you would want to steer into that in the Supreme Court justice that I mean, that could have been written before. Um, and that that's something that we've had. We've had the, the Supreme Court justice vacancy on the show for a few seasons now, too. Yeah. I actually had forgotten about it until Frank mentioned it.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, Spencer mentions uh, that the uh, guy who came to visit creepy Eric Rawlings is uh, it was the Civil War reenactor. Uh, we saw him earlier this season. We tried to figure out why Frank uh, felt like he knew him. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so that, that's something that was like, is that, the, is that the same guy? I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be or not. Was he supposed to be a comfort to Frank during these tense times? Is he clairvoyant? Can he see Frank's future? Does Frank have a crush on him or what? What's the deal with him?
1: <laughs> I do not buy the Frank having a crush on him. Uh, maybe Maybe Frank sees him as somebody he can mentor um, and and bring up. I mean, this guy is pretty young. He could be, uh, you know, he could be somebody who could work with Frank. He could learn the tricks of the trade and then and then be part of Frank's legacy.
0: Yeah. Okay. Johnny Severa wants to know, are we not going to find out what happened to Conway on his rescue mission?
1: Oh, no, we're going to find out. There is no way we're not going to get that at some point this season. You know, I'm surprised that we haven't heard anything about it for a few episodes, but... Um, we're getting teases to it. We're seeing Conway have the PTSD with, his, with the VR machine. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely going to get it. Don't you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, it, it's, it's gotta be some, it's something that plays. It'll into, come out. It'll come out. Yeah. Hang probably will have something to do with how the Underwoods are going to take down the Conways. If there is a split ticket.
0: Okay. And then Johnny also wants to know, did Claire break the fourth wall to the audience at the end of the episode by looking at the camera?
1: I don't think she did. Um, I do think we will see Claire break the fourth wall. Uh, maybe that will come once Claire is officially the vice president and, and is officially in that kind of a spot where she's the alpha in the relationship. But uh, I, I just think that was meant to show a, you know, a real power shot of Claire and show that this is, this is Claire's time now. Okay, one
0: more question from uh, Scott Schieffer, who wants to know, what is the agenda of Sean Jeffries at the Herald? In this episode, we see him taking pics of notes on Hammerschmidt's desk and then reporting back to the press secretary. Is he working for or against Frank's interest? Based on those actions, it seems like he is trying to get information to Seth more so than that he is trying to get information from Seth.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. He's trying to develop a, a good relationship where Seth will leak things to him and will give him information. Uh, although Seth might not be in that role for much longer if the coin flip doesn't go the way that Frank wants it to.
0: Man, this coin flip is going to be really exciting. Well, what do you think it's going to be, heads or tails?
1: Uh, it's I would think heads. That's tails never head. fails.
0: That's what I always <laughs> say.
1: Donald Duck had a tail also, so. yeah. I'm assuming so. Ducks have tails, yeah.
0: <sighs> Tail feather. Boy, this is going to be uh, tricky for Frank to see uh, how this ultimately plays out.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know how Frank can control a coin flip hmm. um, if that's if that's what we get. You know, a loaded dice. I could see that. Could he break the fourth
0: flip- wall and uh, like move around, like uh, and everybody, like just when he was giving that speech to the governors and like flip the coin over uh, before it flips and hits the ground.
1: Oh yeah, like kind of like in uh in the X-Men movie with with Quicksilver. Yeah. <laughs> where he where he stops time and moves all the bullets all over the place. That
0: would be good if he could pull that off.
1: I mean, I, I always thought it was a big deal that they d- decide NFL draft picks by coin flip. I had no idea they could decide the president of the United States mm-hmm. by coin flip.
0: Yeah. I think it's like one of the wild card tiebreakers also, I think eventually in baseball.
1: Yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, like th- those are pretty minor compared to the president of the United States. Yeah. That's I mean, that I I hope in real life we never get to a situation where the future of the country hinges on a coin flip.
0: Yes. OK, well, look, Um. we talked about how like the boy things are really crazy in the real 2017. But I do feel like that this particular scenario might be crazier than uh, than real life. I think they might have done it.
1: Yeah, it, it's a little bit out there. You know, it's like it, it's I guess if. If you told me things that have happened in the real world, I would have said that's way too far fetched. That could never happen. So I don't know who I am to say that something in House of Cards is a little far fetched. But um, a tie in the Electoral College and then a tie in the House of Representatives, uh, is just it's, it's a little it's a little out there, but it does make for some good TV. And we do like good TV.
0: Yeah. At what point do the two candidates go to fire?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's um, if there are less than four candidates remaining, mm-hmm. um, that's when that's when they have a fire building competition. Although, you know, for this, I think it should be like a flag raising competition.
0: Flag raising competition. Okay, uh, Conway's a big guy. I like him in any sort of physical uh, competition. Do you think Conway would be better at building a fire than Frank? I would think so, right? I mean, we saw Frank, uh, he knows what to do, but he was very slow and he got very distracted thinking about his friend, Tim. (laughs) That's true talking. Conway, uh, unless he like freezes up, like thinking about uh, bad stuff, then uh, he should be fine.
1: Yeah, he might have like a, like a PTSD moment
0: and, and uh,
1: yeah, I don't know. My money's on Frank to win that fire making contest.
0: Okay. Uh, So what is the hashtag today?
1: Uh, I like Doug Dog. Doug Dog.
0: Okay, let's go for that. Yeah. Doug Dog it is. Uh, I was going to suggest VP Claire, but uh, let's go with uh, Doug Dog. And uh, I guess uh, we will see how this is going to play out. Hopefully we get the results of this coin flip coming up in Chapter 58.
1: Yeah. VP Claire sounds like a really good dessert. I might go get a VP Claire right now. That
0: sounds uh, fantastic. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We've got a quick break coming up here. And then when we come back, we will get into chapter 58 of House of Cards. See you then. And we're back, Chapter 58, Hail to the Chief, President Underwood. Oh, man, Mrs. President. <laughs> Madam Acting President Underwood, Zach, it's happening, it's official.
1: Yeah, isn't Madam President, I guess it's Madam Secretary that's the show, right? Yes. Okay, there's yes. not a Madam President that's already a TV show. Right, no, there is not.
0: Uh, Madam Acting President, and uh, boy, I'm enjoying this new Underwood administration.
1: Yeah, House of Claire. This is great. House of Claire. This is like we're getting like a spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we've really flipped the script now. Frank is on his back. And, uh, well, we have seen Frank on his back a couple of times before, but Claire, Claire is the powerful one. She's in the driver's seat. Yes. And Frank is not in the driver's
0: seat and he is out of power. And Claire, we saw at one point, she was even debating whether or not he should have a security clearance.
1: Yeah. No, that I, I wondered. You know, what are we just going to watch her filling out some forms? You know, as putting on her social security number. But now she was deciding if Frank should get access. Yeah, uh, and I think I think that that kind of you know symbolizes the entire episode where Claire is not sure where she wants this to go or where she wants uh, where she wants Frank to stand and where she wants him to be in this administration.
0: Yeah. Anyway, I'm very excited about where we are here in uh, season five. I think that this is uh very, from where we started, we're like, eh. Uh, but no, I'm all in.
1: I'm back. Yeah. Well, and in the next episode, we're going to be about halfway through the season. We're going to be more than halfway through the season. Because yeah. the next episode is episode seven. So I would think that, you know... My guess is that the election storyline will be wrapped up by the end of the next episode and then we will turn our attention to whatever the uh, back nine storyline is for this episode. Yeah. And Frank better watch himself here because uh, he is losing his
0: grip on things. And I'm surprised. Now, do you feel like the, does Claire have Frank's best intentions in mind by not doing what he wants, by forcing Congress to vote again? Is this actually what's best for Frank to
1: end up forcing the revote in Tennessee and Ohio? You know, for me, it's really hard to tell. Sometimes I feel like she is acting in Frank's best interest. And then other times uh, I think that, you know, she's she would be okay if Conway ends up winning this thing and she can stay on as vice president.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting uh, to see what she ultimately wants to do, like what her power play is, because I would think that she would have preferred what Frank was suggesting of like, no, 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 even if I lose, then you be the vice president. We'll do to him what we did to Walker. It'll be fine. And she says, no, what she sees is that Mark is willing to risk everything to get Conway elected. What she doesn't see is that Conway is losing
1: it. Yeah, Conway is becoming unhinged.
0: The same thing happened when he was RoboCop.
1: Oh really? Robocop became unhinged. I think so. I think isn't that what happens with Robocop? I think he gets unhinged. I have Unfortunately, never never seen any Robocops. He gets like a
0: virus, or like a circuitry melts down, or he gets hacked or something. Uh, I feel like that's the plot of
1: a Robocop. And maybe so, I'll have to. Uh, maybe I'll have to do a double feature with Double Indemnity and Robocop. Just to, just to cover all these movies that are on my list. I am loving Conway losing it. Uh, uh, this is my favorite storyline of crazy Conway. <laughs> yeah, I, I did really like what he's on the VR headset. And he I don't know if he looks like a zombie or what, but he's got his hands up and he's just like turning. And he's he looks like he's terrified and just um, you can't even see his face. But you can just see he is unhinged as uh, Shmoopy <laughs> Conway is watching all of this go down.
0: What about when he wanted to fly the plane? Yeah, I thought they were going to let What was that about, yeah. Conway? Yeah. Now look, Conway, you're just having a psychotic break. That's all that is. You don't need to go and fly the plane. Uh, you could sit in the back and we'll give you the big boy cockpit joystick controller. Then you can pretend that you're
1: flying the plane and everything will be fine. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't give him some of those pilot's wings. You know, they give little kids on the airplane.
0: <laughs> yeah, go sit down with Shmoopy. Uh You're losing it, sir. Yeah.
1: You're losing it. And then we see him and Mark and that that was a really intense scene, too, because the way they filmed uh, Joel Kinnaman in that scene, he's filling up like the entire cabin of the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, he just looks so much taller than than Mark. And he's uh, he, you know, he, he really looks like it looks like a very intense scene. It looks like they're just about to throw down right there.
0: Yeah. Well, that was an interesting scene as well in the episode uh, with Conway and Mark on the plane. And I'm, I'm in on Mark also. I think that Mark's an interesting uh, character. Again, he's sort of like uh, Underwood on the other side. I did notice in that scene with Conway and Mark on the plane, you know, Conway is like going nuts. He's losing it. Mark is the person who is completely calm. But he has all the power. He tells Conway very plainly, like, if you ever talk to me again that way, you'll never win another election. And Conway is just getting like all worked up and angry about what he said. And did you notice the dichotomy in the color there, Zach? Conway on the left, all white shirt, Mark, all black,
1: black on black. Wow. I You know, I usually pick up on the color, but I was not paying attention to it in that scene. It's never a coincidence on this show. Whenever no. there is like stark contrast,
0: one character is in white, the other character is in black. Like, it's you know, that's their tell. They're always doing that.
1: Yeah. And we did see, you know, something with, with the color in this episode with Claire as well, where she's in all black and then. Uh, in in the next scene, she's an all white. I don't know if you mm-hmm. picked up on that one too. Yeah. So.
0: Well, which scene was that? I noticed that she had the all black. Uh, I'm I'm really uh, I think that Claire Underwood is a really great dresser. She's done some. I don't even know what you would call these things, but uh, very presidential. I, I I really do like. You know, we've never had a woman president, but I like I, I like uh, her interpretation of it.
1: Yeah, lots of buttons. I lots did of buttons. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's
0: very good. Very yeah. good. Uh, you know. It's uh, great in a meeting or like some sort of a, of a uh, ball. It's uh, really it's uh, very, very functional.
1: Yeah. No, Claire is uh, looking better and better the older she gets, whereas Frank, uh, he's looking older and whiter <laughs> yeah, and not looking great.
0: Uh, it's not the years. It's the mileage, Zach. Uh, don't forget about that. OK. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Well, so- Frank has a lot of mileage on him for sure.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, where does this go from here? I mean, we're going to now have some sort of an
1: election where Frank and Claire have to go campaign in Tennessee and Ohio? I mean, I hope that we don't get, like, multiple episodes or even one episode of campaigning. Um, right. I mean, we they really should be voting very soon, you would think. I don't know how much lead time they need if they are going to announce the special election.
0: Okay, now, let me ask you this. Is Claire's ultimate play here... Does she just want to buy more time as acting president? Because if they have the House vote over the weekend, by Monday, there's a resolution. Either Frank is back to being the president or Conway is the president and she's the vice president. But if the election is, say, in three weeks, then that's three weeks of Claire Underwood to be the acting president and put whatever plan she needs to have happen in motion.
1: And potentially get us into a crisis with Russia that could delay the election even longer. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps. Or some, some sort of crisis that could delay this special election. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if that's the plan, if the plan is to kind of bide some time in order for some other plan to take effect, I would, I would believe that. But if it's just to have three more weeks as acting president, you know, I, it's like you know, you're just delaying the inevitable.
0: Yeah, who's advising Claire? Is it Leanne? Leanne is really the person that's or that's basically her mark.
1: Yeah, I think it's Leanne is is her mark and Doug is Frank's mark and Mark is uh is Conway's mark. Boy, let's have the mark draft. Who's the number 1 pick? <laughs> I mean, I would say Doug, but you know, Leanne doesn't seem like she has the loose ends that Doug has. Mm. Doug is loose ends everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think Mark is the number 1 pick in the mark draft. <laughs> well, his name is
0: Mark, but uh Yeah best mark. And then Leanne is two. Doug is the worst. Uh, like D- Doug is, I, I feel like, you know, we've been gone a long way with Doug, but uh really
1: a lot of loose ends, uh not as effective as he used to be. Yeah, but Doug always bounces back and we'll see Doug bounce back again. Yeah, but it's a lot of highs and lows. It's a
0: lot of like, yeah, he's hitting 50 home runs, but he's striking out 250 times a year as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. But Mark has never actually advised an actual president, except for the five seconds that Conway thought he was president. (laughs) That's true. But he does seem to have it together. Yeah. And I think he's been around the block, too, it seems like because him and him and Frank seem to know each other. And uh, I I did like the scenes where we got them together, too.
0: Yeah. Mark needs to go back to smoking. I think that'll help.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Mark, the smoker.
0: So uh, this was, I think, maybe overall the craziest uh, episode that we had with uh, a lot of the things that were going on in this episode. Uh, we talked about uh, Crazy Conway's breakdown. Uh, we had the return of Petrov. Petrov is back. We just talked about him. Where is he? Nothing going on. Foreign policy. So what, what's going on? That Russia is, has uh, gone into Antarctica to get the oil?
1: Yep, that is exactly right. They have sent some troops into Antarctica and they want to get whatever oil is there. Uh, cold place to visit but i guess russia is cold as well yeah
0: i i, I felt like that this did seem very uh familiar uh like uh the, again it's, uh, you know sometimes uh, there's things going on in the season that are a kind of uh ripped from the headlines this isn't one that you would think about but i i remember i did just read a news story of uh why russia just built a new military base in the arctic so uh, i guess uh, not outside of the realm of possibility
1: no i mean it is a you know it is the undiscovered country so, yeah. there's you know lots of lots I thought that of... was Star Trek six, yeah, that too, <laughs> yeah, um, so Petrov is back. you like Petrov with the beard? Yeah, I, at first, I thought it was a different actor. um I, no, I, it's still him I guess I, yeah, it's the same guy, but um, same thing happened to me actually with the leftovers this season. Uh, John Murphy on the leftovers. I thought they had recast that guy. It looked like a totally different person because he has yeah, the big beard and glasses,
0: the glasses, the glasses so, with uh, the John one Murphy. of my
1: it's my Achilles heel is the beards. I can't get past him. Yeah. I wouldn't even recognize you if I saw you, probably.
0: Uh, you'd recognize me. <laughs> so Petrov, hey, he's got this plan. And uh, we find out that McAllen has been kidnapped after he ends up doing some sort of a WikiLeaks about how the gas leak, a different leak, uh, they blame that on Ico. And uh, they said it was Muhammad Kalabi, right? And uh, it turns out ah, it was actually a different Mohammed Kalabi. A very embarrassing mistake, which they blame this all on Ico, but it was just a gas leak. And so um, we got sort of like the talk of, hey, is McAllen on a kill list? Are you sure about that? And then when he got kidnapped... I really thought that oh Doug is acting like he doesn't know what's going on. He's really been kidnapped by some sort of
1: like um you know uh military covert operation. Yeah, no, it was uh it was Petrov. I don't think that you know the Underwood administration has anything to do with that and um now this is one of Doug's messes and Leanne's mess that that Frank and Claire seem like, they have to—they have to clean up now.
0: Yeah. So yeah, big reveal that uh, it was actually Petrov that has McAllen. Now Kathy is there. Is Kathy also a hostage? Though, like what's going on there with uh, with, or is Kathy just there to say like Frank? He's not joking around. He really does have McAllen
1: here. This guy says he knows you. Well, Kathy was there. Um to talk about to talk about this oil um and Antarctica situation. Yes. So, you know, she was there and and I think that Petrov had her there, yeah, just to kind of show his power. And that's why he invited her back. He said, Oh, you you can't miss this. You got you gotta come back before you leave. But you have to come see, see this hostage I have? Yeah, just to you know, to further show the control that he has and you know, show he's not messing around. He's got McAllen there. She can see the shape he's in. Um, especially if, you know, the end result is that they want to get rid of these sanctions and Frank ends up calling off the sanctions.
0: Yeah. Zach, could you give us a one of your famous refreshers on
1: Claire and Petrov? <laughs> uh, so, last season, there was... Um, and maybe Petrov came two seasons ago, but there was a time when Petrov was in the White House uh, and he he kind of made a move on Claire, and she turned him down mm-hmm. um, and that was when they had the band and the protesters were there because Petrov was visiting the White House. Uh, yeah, then last season when Frank Underwood was out of commission and Claire had taken over her and Kathy went to Russia to um to have some negotiations with Russia about um uh, I think it was about the the jail journalist, mm-hmm. the uh, the gay journalist that they had jailed. Yeah. I think. Yes. Um, and Kathy wasn't able to get the job done negotiating with Petrov. Yes. Um, Claire ended up doing things behind the scenes and getting um, taking care of this whole situation. Uh, and that was I think the last we saw Petrov, although there might have been one other trip to Russia. yeah,
0: well, I, I do think not to fact check you too much. I feel like that might have been earlier in the season. I don't know if that was when Frank was in the coma. I feel like that that was um when uh, that she was that the journalist was in jail who was he was gay. and then Claire talked to him, but then he ended up committing suicide. Um, by like because Claire gave him a glass or something like that. Um, and I think that that was part of it. I I don't think it happened when Frank was in the coma.
1: No, you're right because Frank was there during this because I do remember Frank giving that speech. Right. Um, But then
0: last that might have been when she was trying to be the head of the United Nations. I think that that's uh uh where she was ambassador to the United Nations, and then uh and then everybody hated her when that happened during the unpopular claire era. Yeah,
1: that was that was at least a season. And now he's come one
0: done a full 180.
1: Yeah, everybody loves well 30% of people love Claire.
0: <laughs> at least I mean, hey, compared to Frank's 19% I guess like uh in the kingdom of the unpopular, uh the slightly less unpopular is king or queen. Mm-hmm. or madam.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, Claire, there's always been Petrov has always kind of pined for Claire over these last few seasons. He's made advances towards her. Um, She's been successful in negotiating with him, at least the last time, um, but allowed Kathy to take the credit. But then they leaked that it was actually Claire who uh, who did that to to get Claire a little bit more control. So um, a long, rich history between the Petrov organization and the Underwood administration. So the
0: Russians know about everything with McAllen?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, how? I think he's probably, you know, I think he's been leaking to WikiLeaks Um, And I'm sure he has people who he's been talking to uh, to help him during this time when he's been he's been hidden. And and now, you know, the Russians got wind of it. They were able to catch him. They kidnapped him. So they know that that he's been involved in things with the Underwood administration, either by him telling them um, them, torturing him to get it out or him just willingly giving this information up because he knows how valuable the information is. In the last few episodes, he said Stop coming after me or I'm going to make things really difficult. So maybe he started setting up, you know, um, different sources that he could talk to and people he could leak this information to. And and that got reported back to the Russians.
0: All right. So that the Underwoods should just let the Russians take all the oil,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's what they're going to do. And by the end of the episode, they did say they're going to call off the sanctions and they told Mm -hmm. Kathy to come back. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. yeah, Just uh, just come right back. No sanctions here, nothing to see here. I mean, the oil in Antarctica
0: is the least of the Underwoods' uh, concerns right now. Like, you know, in a perfect world, you know, the Russians aren't taking all the oil, but I mean, I feel like with everything the Underwoods have going on, you know, the Russians getting some oil up in Antarctica, I mean, they they should care less about that right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Underwoods have things coming from all sides about this scandal. Um, so, you know, they got they got to clean up all of these messes. Uh, and And Doug is not doing... Such a great job cleaning up these messes. Yeah, Yeah, well,
0: he's got his own messes going on because uh, we saw everything going on with Lisa in the previous episode. And then uh, due to some of the work of Sean Jeffries, uh, that story moves forward a little bit that he tells Seth about it. Seth ends up mentioning the name to Doug, setting Doug off to uh, go and try to uh, get some work done on this. Uh, Bad news for Lisa. Uh, She's on the
1: junk. Yeah, she, talk about Unhinged, we see her at the end of the episode sitting on the toilet just talking and, and saying, all of, saying all of these things uh, about what had happened, and she looks like she's in really rough shape.
0: Yeah, she is in rough shape, but she does give Sean enough information that Sean
1: ends up going back to Hammerschmidt, and Hammerschmidt drops the hammer on Sean. Yeah, but then we see Hammerschmidt... Later on in the episode, in the Zoe Barnes storage unit, where just all of her stuff is just sitting there waiting for her to return. Yes. Uh, And and he's doing the old pencil trick. He finds the one page that was under the page where Zoe Barnes wrote Doug and Rachel. And he's able to use the the pencil trick to see what she was writing.
0: Yes. In the Zoe storage barn, he goes through all (laughs) of the files and then he pulls a David and Emma
1: Slay. On the yeah. cursed hunted <laughs> calendar. Yeah, we're seeing so many connections back to hunted on this season.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's probably what the inspiration for uh House Card season five was hunted season one, yes. Uh and he sees on the calendar, yes, the the smoking gun, Doug Stamper slash Rachel Posner.
1: So did he not know that they knew each other
0: though? I thought that was kind of public knowledge. I You know what? Honestly, through five <laughs> seasons of the show, like we watch the show for like two weeks out of the year, you know, once a year for five years. It's hard to remember. like and, and there's no previously on. It's almost like the only show. I mean, I'm not sure if any of the Netflix like Hulu type shows end up doing like a previously on House of Cards. Um, it is especially tricky. And they have the shows that need it the most.
1: Yeah. Or at least like, uh, you know, have a YouTube channel. Where you can go to the YouTube page and see, you know, without, because it's hard. I want to look up, you know, some of these previously on YouTube videos, but I don't want to be spoiled on anything that happened this season. Like, I don't want to go to the House of Cards wiki or anything like that while we're watching it. Or we're on Netflix, you know, have it previously on that I can skip. They did have a season previously on. Um, Yeah, but that I mean that that's not that helpful. Well, I've talked
0: about this before with man in the high castle where I I turned it on and I was like, I don't remember who anybody is on this show. Yeah, like I watched the whole thing in a weekend a year ago. And now I got to remember like every little detail like uh, like who is this person? I don't even remember. Uh, I remembered Hitler. I remember who who Hitler was. And uh, that was it.
1: Well, I mean, he's he's probably the most memorable one from that show. But mm-hmm. it is hard to even remember what shows you watch, let alone, you know, what where you are, what season you've got through on a show. And then what's actually happened on the show, just because there are you know, we talked about this in the first in the first podcast. Like, right. There are even so if the first episode Netflix, of the
0: season was a like sort of like episode zero is a previously on where you can sort of like catch like the, you know, catch up on House of Cards.
1: Yeah. Although if they had a previously on before the episode, a lot of times that previously on can spoil what's actually going to happen. Well, then I can skip it.
0: I can skip it if I don't want to. Okay, but we don't need to fix Netflix uh, right now. Uh, So, yeah, Doug is certainly uh, in some hot water. Where is this story going where Hammerschmidt's going to confront Doug about this and then Doug is going to have to kill Hammerschmidt?
1: Yeah, the Zoe Barnes story that will never go away. I mean, I I wonder if we're just going to hear things about Zoe Barnes up until the end of the show.
0: I mean, is there any good reason to not kill Tom Hammerschmidt at this point
1: I mean it would see it would look a little sketchy if you know these people keep disappearing, and Tom Hammerschmidt has been hammering the the underwood administration.
0: There's ten million scandals going on right now. Is anybody gonna notice uh, you know uh Tom Hammerschmidt fell down the stairs like if you could uh get some sort of somebody to make it look like an accident uh Alshon Jeffrey is I think Alshon Jeffrey, yeah yeah. Well, Sean Jeffries is
1: out of a job. Where does he end up? In the White House? Well, him and Seth, him and Seth are working pretty well together, so maybe maybe we get some of that. Um, you know, I or now Hammer Schmidt sees that that Jeffries was right and and goes back and gets Jeffries back. I mean, we've not seen the last of, Jeff, of Sean Jeffries. He'll be back.
0: Big episode for the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, what do you think of Conway's Gambit to go to the Congressional Black Caucus?
1: I, I kind of loved it when they put him in his place and made him sit outside for an hour and he's just yeah. you can just see he's seething uh, and then he he, he finally snapped. goes and yeah he finally goes and talks to him and and even Mark is like stop stop you know don't nope. talk anymore <laughs> don't do it nope
0: nope <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He didn't even like uh, really attempt to try to like alter his pitch at all. Uh, Schmoopy said, like, let's cancel this. They came in hot, and uh, that was not the right approach at the CBC.
1: Yeah. He told him he wants to help you help yourself. And, uh, It did not go over as well as in Jerry Maguire. Nope, nope, not so good uh, with
0: the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, Do you think that we are going to see more from them, or is that just like a one-episode thing with the Conway uh, gamble to go visit them?
1: No, I'm sure we'll see more of them. Womack is a character who has been on and off the show uh, since the first season. Uh, And I did, you know, we've talked a lot about people playing roles and um, people acting, and uh, they did call it a charade. Mm -hmm. Conway called it a charade, so... Um and there were a couple other lines in this episode too about people acting.
0: So. Yes. Okay. Well, Conway is acting really uh crazy. He's acting uh like Boo Boo the Fool. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's acting like a douche. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um I wanna talk about Yates. What is going on with Yates? Uh first off, we had the scene where the tour guide <laughs> was giving a tour of the uh press office. Um should they reopen the pool underneath the the press room for Frank
1: Underwood to exercise? I was thinking that they might have to. I did wonder, not to take us too much off topic, but we saw Frank exercising. We saw him working out really hard, being sore at the end of the episode he with came with his personal trainer. His back. Yeah. yeah. Um, with his with Eric, the personal trainer, but oh boy, uh, you know they talked about how FDR was in a wheelchair, and I was wondering, is this foreshadowing? Are we going to see uh, an immobile Frank, and and maybe he does he does start doing some swimming. We've seen uh, lots of different forms of exercise from Frank Underwood through the years: rowing, running, now spin class. So, okay. Speaking of exercise, let's get back to Yates here. Yeah, yeah we in buried the, the lead with in the this. briefing
0: room. How is this possible? How on earth is this possible, Zach Brooks?
1: You know, I would think that there would be cameras in there at the very least, uh, or somebody walking
0: in, some sort of a Uh, live feed somewhere.
1: Yeah, (laughs) somebody has to find out about this. Uh, Although, you know what? What is Claire Underwood going to do? Maybe she'll fire Yates, but you know, not like they have that much leverage. Because uh, he can just say, "Well, I've been, you know, I've been sleeping with the first lady," and and there's a whole another scandal for the Underwood administration.
0: So many people work in the White <laughs> House, I, I, and I've never visited uh, the White. Have you been to the
1: White House? I haven't. I've been outside, but never inside. Yeah,
0: I'd, I'd like to, you know, someday get a uh, White House tour. And I've never been there. But from what I understand, and there was a lot of talk of this in the news, because uh, when the Trump administration came in, they were talking about moving the press pool to another building and outside of the White House. And they said, well, you sort of like uh, there's so many people that work there. When something's going on, you really like get a lot more. And if you moved it to a separate room that wasn't where everybody's working there, I, I can't imagine that this is possible, that you could be having sort of like... Uh, indiscriminate sexual intercourse at the podium.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was as ridiculous as it was. I kind of loved it. I thought it was like a really funny and really crazy out there scene, but it, it did not feel realistic at all. I I can't see this happening unless it's like two in the morning, but it, it seemed like it was seemed like it was
0: broad daylight.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yates is getting sloppy. It's almost like Yates wants to get caught. He probably does. I mean, he's not getting the attention from Claire that he wants and You know, I think that he is he's acting out just like a dog.
0: He's acting out. He's going to have to get put down like a dog. Uh, He's going high in the death draft also.
1: Yeah, no, I I can't imagine that he's going to be around for that much longer. But I just don't know where this is all going. Like, I I don't care about their relationship. I think that it's it's just weird. And I mean, maybe it will take some turn that plays into the larger narrative. But uh, right now, it's just a a strange story thing. and, And I don't think we really need it.
0: Okay, what's going on with Seth and
1: Anthony Moretti? Well, Seth is on the trail once again. So Doug, this made me mad. Doug is also getting sloppy. He has Anthony Moretti's number saved in his desk phone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that's caller ID, but you know, yeah. he's just like not covering his tracks. I'll even tells Seth, I signed the papers they're sitting on my desk. Like just lets him go right into his office. Okay, so to me, uh, my read on that
0: was that Laura Moretti has not changed the phone number on caller ID at her house. So that for, for instance, like uh, that, my father, like if you call, like a uh, the caller ID, it would still say my father's name, even though he has been gone for over five years. I, I suspect that if you called the, uh, the Laura Moretti household, it still has his name on the caller ID.
1: Yeah, that's fine. But for Doug, Either maybe you can delete calls that are on your caller ID, like cover your tracks. But a that's his bit. girlfriend. Yeah, it's his girlfriend that he knows because they took the kidney that was supposed to go to her or it was yeah. supposed to go to her husband. I mean, I, I, again, that of the 500
0: fires that Doug is dealing with, uh, the guy who they got the kidney from in season four, I think, is uh, very low on the radar for Doug.
1: Yeah, but um, I don't think Frank Underwood is going to like this very much when Seth ultimately goes and narks him out. Yeah.
0: Again, it's so low down on the totem pole of all of the uh, crises that they are dealing with. Even like, you know, it's a, that's a brush fire compared to like sort of like the, uh, the building that's on fire and the block <laughs> of buildings that's on fire
1: across the street. Yeah, it is just like problems, scandals, leaks coming from every single <laughs> area in Doug's life, in Frank's life. Um, I don't feel like Claire has quite as much scandal surrounding her as those two do no she's uh, uh, pretty popular yeah yeah okay just just the yates uh the yates of it all
0: all right. Uh, let's take a couple of questions here. Uh, Spencer Y wants to ask about nuclear codes, nuclear football, nuclear launch, he says. Uh, with Claire receiving the nuke codes and looking through the manual inside the nuclear football, coupled with Petrov's Russian aggression in the Antarctic, are we looking towards a, a nuke launch of Antarctica in an upcoming episode? With the continent being a mostly barren frozen tundra with minimal people on it, is it possible the most acceptable geographical location to ever launch a nuke into and avoid major controversy slash backlash about it uh, which would be the uh, the bigger political debate uh, leaving the Paris climate Accord or launching a nuclear weapon into the Antarctic
1: I mean a nuclear weapon into the Antarctic seems to be speeding up uh, <laughs> anything that the Paris climate Accord might be preventing <laughs> so yes. uh, yeah I, I think that is while there aren't People there, I don't think it's ever good to be shooting nuclear bombs off nuclear mm-hmm. missiles, but uh, that just seems like that could have very, very awful environmental impacts.
0: Right. Right. OK. So yeah. uh, we don't know what the Underwood platform is on the environment.
1: I would imagine they don't care. <laughs> yeah. OK. I mean, if, if they're the last presidents because uh, <laughs> they destroy the environment, you know, that's their legacy. They went out. So. Um, But I I will say that scene where Claire's looking over the nuclear launch codes, that was the scene I was referencing earlier where um, the scene before it, she's in all black and she has a scene with Yates and um, Yates says something about how let's only talk about things that happen inside this room and not talk about anything outside this room. Then later on, she gets up in the middle of the night. She's in all white, walks down to the Oval Office. It almost was presented like a dream. I thought it might have been a dream scene. um, But. You know, that was Claire sitting there by herself in all white, smoking a cigarette and reading through the uh, reading through the nuclear launch codes. OK, plant the flag on something. Uh, Claire Underwood sends
0: off a nuclear weapon in season five of House of Cards. Uh, are you in or out?
1: I'm out on actually sending one off. I don't think you know what we've gotten close to that before on this show. Uh, and a lot of times it's it's nukes are used as part of the chessboard but they're never actually fired off mm. that's just not what the show is
0: Yeah, I think that probably the nuclear football and the nuclear codes are more metaphor for for the first time. She is actually the person wielding the power and not the person who is in the back seat or the passenger seat. And Frank is the one who is powerless. He hands over his codes. She has them. So I'm not sure if we're literally going to see her launch the nuclear weapon. But we could end up in a standoff against Russia where uh, those do factor in. Uh, Also from Spencer, he says uh, flip flopping, double cross crossing Romero and Rasmussen with Congressman Rasmussen freaking out that the presidential vote was going to the real voters in Ohio and Tennessee instead of being decided by Congress. Are we to interpret that Claire made the right decision to not use Congress because Frank would have lost the vote? Also, when will someone on Frank's side find out that Congressman Romero is Conway and Usher's inside guy and punish him for it? I feel like Romero's comeuppance is forthcoming, but I would rather see
1: how the show gets to it sooner than later. Yeah, there, we got a lot with Alex that we have not touched on yet. Um, and it was interesting to see that him and Rasmussen were working together, that he was the reason why Rasmussen stood up to Frank uh, earlier on. And, uh, it you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't think we're going to see Alex getting his comeuppance just yet. I think uh, if Frank was going to find out about what he's doing, he would have found out about it pretty quickly. So this might be uh, kind of a longer term adversary for Frank. Uh, you know, for a little bit longer this season, maybe into future seasons. Um, but it was, it was good to see, to see that going on. It, you know, I actually thought at the beginning of the episode that, and I wrote down that Alex is actually not working with Conway anymore. And, um, you know, that he, that he was interested in making a deal that he wanted to be whip. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how he's kind of playing the Frank Underwood game that we saw. uh we're just seeing it from the other side.
0: Okay. Zach, we've made it through the last three episodes of House of Cards. When we come back in our next podcast, we will talk about episodes 59, 60, and 61. Probably uh, get to that, I'd say, midweek of next week or so. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Anything else from Chapter 58 that you want to mention?
1: Uh, no, I, I mean, I'm excited to see where this season is going. I think things are really heating up uh, on lots of Especially different Especially in the Antarctic and in the uh, Claire Underwood bedroom as well. Yes. Uh, and, the, and the Laura Moretti bedroom. Yes. Lots, lots of, um, and in the, the press briefing room. Yes. Lots sex of checks everywhere,
0: everywhere here in House of Cards uh, season five. What do you think of uh, hashtag Zoe Storage Barn?
1: I do like Zoe Storage Barn. Originally, I was going to say Mark Draft, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, li- I like Zoe Storage Barn. That was a good
0: one. That's very good. And uh, ironically, uh, Rachel is buried in a Zoe Storage Barn as well. So uh, or interesting. under one. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, follow the great Zach Brooks on Twitter. He is at BrooksZA. I am at Rob Sisternino. Can't wait to come back and talk about chapters 59, 60, and 61 in our next podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.